Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Now, that Graham Dwyer story doesn't make the papers, obviously, because with the time difference, it's an EU law that was decided upon uh, only this morning. So the mobile phone data used prominently by the prosecution in Dwyer's trial for murder of the childcare worker Elena O'Hara in 2015 was a breach of European Union law. Mobile data retention practices used, say, as a, an example, a very a pertinent example in the case against Graham Dwyer, who was convicted uh, of murder, breached European law. So we'll have to see what happens in that regard. So that's breaking news that doesn't make the papers. You heard it in the radio news. And also, it's goodbye to the pup. Today closes 44,747 claimants will get their final payment of the pub payment. And it was rather divisive pub, wasn't it? Uh, some said that it was paid to too many people, that it went out without any kind of checks or balances. We heard of all of the stories of uh, the students getting the pub and parting and what have you. Others then, of course, said that it was an absolute necessity and a lifeline for many families and many people, uh, particularly when it was on €350 Euro a week and then it was later reduced to, uh, it was just over 200 208 I think, as things started to reopen again. Uh, so your thoughts on the pub, whether it was necessary, good, bad or indifferent, uh, two years in existence and the final uh, payment will be made today. Text 0868104106. Can I just say with regards to payments also, story in the Independent this morning says that frontline, frontline health workers are unlikely to get their pandemic bonus, which is worth a grand, before the end of June. Everything just drags along so slowly. I wonder if that has anything to do uh, with, say, the public sector not really being back to full capacity just yet. We see examples of that in many different areas of of the public sector. But this is the pandemic recognition bonus of up to a grand. Uh, Won't be paid until June. And I see, I saw a text yesterday while I was on the air starting to trickle in from people who are saying they're starting to get their few bob, their credit uh, against their electricity bill. Somebody said uh, they appeared appeared on, on Saturday. So that's starting to trickle ever so slowly. There's a story in the Echo this morning with regards to carers struggling. And we were just Googling that this morning where there's a study out now recently for, say, a, a family, maybe a father and mother or sometimes a single parent, caring for perhaps an adolescent with a, a profound intellectual disability. And I know we dealt with this topic on the air some weeks back, but apparently they've done the maths on it. And uh, the study found that a two-parent household caring for an adolescent with a profound intellectual disability can expect to pay out a minimum of €752 Euro a week or just under €40,000 a year just to maintain a minimum essential standard of living and shell it out themselves, themselves, so they do. A lot of it is involved with additional costs like transport, access to private therapy, respite, personal care, clothing, adapting households and things like that. So that's something I'd love to chat with people if you were just going through that and having to beg, borrow or steal. The Echo this morning is saying that many families have to actually borrow money, money from other family members or take out loans so I'd love to hear your stories on that text 0868104106 or email neil at uh, redfm.ie the Russians are leaving uh, and as they do, I'm talking about here in Ireland, um, we're saying goodbye to many of them, many are saying that uh, it's about time that the Russian ambassador got the boot because he continues to flatly deny Russia is committing any sort of war crimes and the papers this morning again mention the words genocide, the photographs are absolutely horrific, what's happening to civilians who are not 
at war and are not actually wearing any combat fatigues in any way, shape or form and just going about their business. Um, but the government also are refusing to help the whining embassy Russian staff who apparently are feeling the cold now because they ain't nobody will deliver fuel to them. And they've run out of heating fuel and the oil companies are refusing to deliver. So there are a couple of red top stories for you this morning. Uh, meanwhile, of course, we have refugees coming into Ireland. More on that a little later on. They're being housed by many Irish families. Others are in hotels. But the Mail this morning says the government isn't inspecting any of the standards or the suitability of hotels or hostels across the country before placing Ukrainian refugees in them. Properties not inspected before refugees housed. We shouldn't be surprised about that because nobody inspects the, prop- inspects the properties that Irish people are put in, whether it's public or private rentals. So no news there really uh, of uh, any kind of difference with regards to the way things always have been. Uh, Kerry Foods have got a bit of grief and so have Kingspan. They're the latest Irish companies that got criticism for continuing to do business in uh, Russia. But now they've come out according to the examiner and said that they are going to certainly um, Kerry Group and the building materials Kingspan that the latest major Irish companies to address their operations. A statement from uh, from um, certainly from Kerry Foods yesterday said that they would uh, they would that their operations would be suspended or divested to local management. Not one hundred percent sure. Uh, what that means, but um, the other story. There are other stories making the news, and unfortunately, it's 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 scandalous the amount of money that's been paid out. Now, firstly, of course, people need the recourse of law where there has been medical negligence, but the amount of it uh, in the last ten years is just staggering. The examiner this morning says that nearly half of the medical payouts by hospitals in the southwest over the last two decades came in just the last three years. So in the last 20 years, the majority of them were paid out in the last three years. Uh, I won't blind you with the figures, but when you add them all up to the cost of the state, uh, the examiner reveals that um, hospital medical negligence and accidents have cost the state more than two and a half billion euro since 2003. Uh, I mean, God, that money could have been so better spent, notwithstanding the families and the people who were damaged. And they break it down hospital by hospital. But um, when you when you actually look at it, the real worry is, why is it rising so quickly in such a short period of time? As in, why are hospitals having so many medical negligence cases against them? Uh, also, the papers say that here on side, there's been a, um, a very worrying um, rise, something in the region of 320% apparently in car thefts. Um, and they're robbing the cars to joyride them apparently. So the Guardian Cork have commenced a new operation targeting joyriders in the city following the increased instances of vehicle theft. In the papers this morning, of course, talk of kind of vehicle related stories or at least the fuel that goes in. Well, actually more more to do with the home. Remember I was chatting yesterday, Eamon Ryan saying that people should spend less time in the shower to help cut their electri- electricity bills. And I know that on Friday... I had a, an April Fool's joke about, you know, slowing down or reducing the speed limits in, in Cork City and County to, you know, reduce the cost of filling your car. Well, it may have been a joke on Friday, but it ain't a joke this week because uh, Eamon Ryan is now calling on people to slow down, drive more slowly uh, to reduce your fuel consumption. Now, anybody in the trade will tell you driving slower actually. <laughs> Burns more fuel, apparently. So there's a headline in the Star this morning with regards to short... I don't know if you want us to share showers, maybe. Remember the old days, I talked to Liam O'Higgin later on, the Cork historian, where everybody used the same bath water. 
you were lucky enough if you got into the bath first and lo and behold if you got into it last well the water was far from clean but he's saying anyway certainly shower rangers the shower patrol I suppose spend less time washing yourself share the shower <laughs> and then colliery news then this morning the light hearted brigade you may not have known this but vanilla is the world's favourite smell apparently vanilla we absolutely love it can I just hold my hand up and say there is nothing nicer in the world than vanilla coffee uh, Mars Coffee Shop um, in on Oliver Plunkett Street do the most fantastic vanilla beans and they'll grind them for you in the shop bring them home boil the kettle and use, it, use the plunger. You'll get the most gorgeous vanilla coffee. But they're saying the sweet aroma from vanilla used in perfume, food and drink is universally loved, universally loved, followed by the smell of peaches. Um, and they also then, just for the heck of it, threw in, what is the, uh, the odor that everybody hates most? Well, apparently it's cheesy feet. I won't dwell on that at this hour of the morning. We'll leave it at that. But listen to me. Um, forget about your pensions and forget about the stock markets and forget about trying to save money in a bank. Buy whiskey. Um, now, you have to be around long enough for you to see the um, uh, you know, profits appreciate on your bottles of whiskey. But if you can get your hands on bottles of Middleton Very Rare Whiskey um, and just leave it alone for 20 or 30 years in a dark place and then sell it. You'll make a fortune. Two of the country's oldest bottles of Middleton Very Rare have sold for a combined price of €94,000. One is a 45-year-old single malt that made €48, euro, and the second is a 46-year-old single pot still Irish whisky from 1973 that sold for €46,000. Can you imagine what they were bought for? Small amounts of money, I would say, back in... 19, and I know, 1973 is a long time ago. But even something that was maybe from the noughties, it could be knocking around for 25 or 30 years, if it's one of the very rare Middletons. Huge profit involved in it. And they break down musical swag this morning in the papers. When I say swag, I'm talking about guitars and, you know, uh, drum kits and stuff like that. Apparently, uh, the Nirvana star Kurt Cobain's acoustic guitar uh, sold for five and a half million that's probably one of the most expensive pieces of uh, rock or pop memorabilia with regards to instruments. Five and a half million. Um, apparently, on top of that, John Lennon's Gibson guitar sold for two and a half million. His Rolls Royce came in at two million. And Ringo Starr's drum kit from the band's early, early days almost made two million itself. So it's either whiskey are rock and roll memorabilia, ideally musical guitars. Oh, and I should have mentioned this, actually. I was talking about the smell of vanilla. There could be, now it just could be a shortage of crisps. Why? Because of oil, particularly sunflower oil. There's a company in the UK called Edible Oils, and they're the, they're the largest cooking oil bottler, apparently. And I imagine they then sell it on to the crisp makers. They're dangerously low on sunflower oil, and they've only a few bottles left. Well, not quite that, but they've only a few weeks' supply left. As a result, some crisp manufacturers in the UK have been forced to alter their recipe or they've had to replace the sunflower oil with rapeseed oil. And Tato is cooked 100% in sunflower oil. Wouldn't it be a revolution if they had to tamper in any way, shape or form 
with your bag of cheese and onion. Lines open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. But I love this story. Just as a, by the way, before we go to calls and stuff, do you do the census on Sunday night? Do you fill it in? Now, I have to hold my hand up and say, we have done pretty much all done 100% with regards to the questions on Sunday night. But I'm still fighting with them to write something down in the little box where you can leave your little time capsule. So that's got to be done today. I'm going to crack the whip on that. But they're saying in the papers this morning that there's one confusing, confusing sex, section about the census that has many people scratching their head. And it's the question about Irish. Um, instead, it was a seemingly straightforward four-word question that causes all the grief on Sunday night. Can you speak Irish? I don't know why it's confusing people because there are a few choices. It's either yes or no. And then there's a second one that says, I can speak it really well, well, or kind of only okay. Um, but I mean, if you've got any cupola fuckle at all, to me, it's a no brainer that you would take yes. You know, I mean, like, like let's, let's just be honest about it. There are more important things going on in the census as to whether or not they're going to send an inspector around to your door to actually test you. Oh, I see here on the census, missus, on Sunday night that you tick the box yes. Now, I'm going to give you a test. <laughs> Mortification on the doorstep. But did any, anybody got any thoughts on that? You know the, sen- the census. So it asks you all sorts of different questions on Sunday night. It asks you how you get to work. It asks you how long does it take you to get to work. You know, it asks you whether you speak Irish or another language. And, and, thing, and they're fine. But I would have thought that in a hundred years' time, People reading the census would like to see more interesting questions on it. And I thought it would have been a super idea if they had put down a question for every household in Ireland to eat, to, uh, to, to, you know, fill in last Sunday night as to what did you eat today? Right? What food did you eat today? I just write it down. I think that in a hundred years time, people would really get a great kick as to what was a typical diet in Ireland? A hundred years ago, what did people eat? Then they'd be able to compare and contrast. And even, I don't know, would it be too personal to also put down the question, what do you weigh? I mean, they do say, well, it's true that, you know, the food and the fuel that put in, puts into you either makes you healthy or makes you sick. I would have thought it would have been a great snapshot as to, you know, what did you eat today? It's something that I'd love to read in a hundred years time. Oh, and I, and I have to say, I'm the last Catholic standing in our household the last, I don't know what the story is. There was two of us in the last census and my daughter deserted me at the weekend. So I'm the only one that has ticked the Roman Catholic box. And even at that, I'm not even a true Catholic. I guess I'm kind of like a, I'm a historical DNA Catholic. It's in my bones like, and there's nothing I can do about it. So the last man standing, lads. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. Calls, texts and comments on the way. Oh, incidentally, well done yesterday to Roisin O'Neill from Ballancolleg. Won two tickets for Riverdance. Uh, she named all of our songs correctly. We have more tickets for Riverdance live at the marquee to give away between now and midday. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. Kellyanne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I was pretty shocked with the statistics that came out. Elio Byrne from Tripatrishin was showing that, uh, you know, the vast majority of uh, letting now at the moment, apartments and houses, is on Airbnb for short-term letting. And that's why people were struggling more than ever now to find a home to rent. Did you want to jump in on that? 
Yeah, I suppose I just wanted to look at it um, maybe from the other side. Um, we're actually, we're what you would call accidental landlords. Okay, why? Um, so my husband bought a house before we met and um, unfortunately now we can't sell it because like hundreds of other people's houses, we're in negative equity. So we're forced into kind of renting it out. Um, to try and pay the mortgage. So it's it's, just, um, it's an interesting thing to be in negative equity now, isn't it? Though, seeing mm-hmm. as property prices have gone through the roof. Yeah, yeah. No, it, we're I suppose we're still not in a position to sell it. Um, sadly, um, so we we rent it out like a long term rent. We're not. Uh, we don't do Airbnb. Yeah. But it's probably something that we'll have to look at. Why? Are you are you not getting decent rent off it? We're after tax. It's not paying the mortgage. Yeah. So I suppose that's kind of that's the side of it that we need to look at because um, we are paying obviously tax on it on because uh, it's an income. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't. What's left then doesn't actually pay the mortgage. So you're one of you're one of the landlords that actually does declare the rent. It goes through your bank account. You pay tax on it at the end of a year. You don't insist on kind of cash or anything like that. No, no, we are paying tax on yeah, it, but yeah. as I said, sadly, that then means that the income doesn't cover, you know, doesn't cover the mortgage. Would that half the rental income, I wonder, there or thereabouts, I suppose, would it? Would it what? Would it half the rental income when you pay tax on it? it oh my God, it takes a massive chunk out of it. Yeah. It's probably close on half, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, you know, paying, paying the, the mortgage and then obviously... You know, property tax, landlord insurance. Even if it just covered the mortgage, Neil, it'd be, you know, we'd be be happy with this. Like we're not looking to make money from this house. We just wanted to pay for itself. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So that could be one of the main reasons why landlords are, say, um, attracted to Airbnb, isn't it? One of the one of the examples that was given was a a family home in Turners Cross could make seventy one and a half thousand euro a year on Airbnb. Whereas, say, for instance, uh, a family home in Black Rock would bring in nearly 35000 as a long-term rent. So it's double on Airbnb. It is. I heard those numbers yesterday. It's a massive, massive difference. You can see why um, landlords would opt for it, which unfortunately then just leaves the supply, you know, the, it's shocking. This is why people can't get houses. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is. I suppose maybe... Um, if it wasn't such tax so highly, you know, your income as a landlord, your rental income, it might make people continue to rent out to, you know, the, the private market instead, yeah. of, instead of going Airbnb. Yeah. So, so maybe, you know, it could be a solution. Uh, also, a lot of people have second homes and they just don't bother renting them out because they think it's not going to be worth their while. So there are plenty of houses out there. Um, it, I wouldn't say... You know, we're not lacking in houses. We're just lacking in houses that are being made available to rent. Yeah. 1,548 properties in Cork City and County are advertised on Airbnb. 62 Mm. rental properties in Cork City and County are advertised as long-term rents on Daft. Somebody suggested to me on uh, by text that you need to look at the 1,500 you're talking about on Airbnb because a lot of them are just bedrooms. So we did that. And when you take out all of the bedrooms, you know on Airbnb, it's still 1,089 full homes available on Airbnb. So it's still a huge number, mm-hmm. you know? But in your, ca- in your case, it's not out of profit or greed or anything. It's, it's of necessity that you would move to Airbnb. 
Well, absolutely. And I mean, we don't want to. The house is like the house is 40 minutes away from where we're living. We have three young children. We don't want the hassle of Airbnb and going down there every week and, you know, changing linen and doing everything like that. But, you know, we could be forced into it. Yeah. Like, I mean, we have no desire to be regular landlords, let alone the Airbnb landlords. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's not for us. But it's because of the negative equity, isn't it? It's 100% it is. Yeah. You know, as I said, if we could sell the house in the morning, we would. Um, okay, okay, so you were suggesting that there should be tax breaks for landlords on that basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just think it might make more more people might be more willing maybe to rent out a second home. Or, you know, and I think if, God, I mean, the government need help at this stage. So I, I just think it might be an idea. That's it. Because also, you see, we're, we have a, a long-term tenant in there who has given us notice. So she plans to move out in about six months. And the reality is we're going to have to put the rent up for the next person. Yeah. And so in six months time, will you instead rent on Airbnb? I don't know. I think we'll, we'll probably wait until we get to that. We get to the time and see. Um, it'll be a last resort because, as I said, it's the hassle that we just, I don't know how we would manage it. You know, we'd constantly go. Like, yeah, with the 40 minute commute and, and stuff. Yeah, I know yeah, what you mean. yeah. yeah. But um, it, it certainly is would be something that we will be strongly, strongly looking into, which is sad because it's one less house on the market. Yes, I hear what you're saying. Okay, good points. Thanks for making them. I'll plow ahead with some more calls. Thank you, Kellyanne. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. Have a good Margaret, day. good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, those figures on Airbnb, would they alarm you that the vast majority of rentals are over there now as short-term rents here in Cork? No. I actually do Airbnb my house. Now, I would rent maybe one, maybe two rooms at times. And there is a, quite an amount of people that do Airbnb. Now, I looked in November just to see could I get a sing, single family home and just a, a random date in November. I think there's only six, 26 available in Cork. So, now, there may be a case that some people use their second home, but they don't want to give it up enti- entirely. So, like, if you want a family home for Christmas or if you wanted to rent out your, say, your holiday home for just a couple of months, but not the whole year, now, I don't know, but maybe a percentage of people that are doing Airbnb are doing that, maybe? Yeah, because they apparently they can make more money in the peak season of, say, three or four months across the summer in a holiday home and yeah. um, and just take it off the market then in October or whatever and just and leave it because they don't want the hassle across the winter and stuff like that. Yeah, and, the, you know, it's, it is, like, with doing the Airbnb now, I found, you know, it's great. I do it maybe from, I haven't done it now since COVID, but maybe from May to October. And then I would stop doing it after that. So, you know, but there are a lot of people. I know a lot of girls that are doing that. And it's a nice income, but it's having nothing to do. It's not affecting rentals in Cork. There's absolutely nothing to do with rental properties in Cork. We're not making any difference because I wouldn't have a full-time person in my house. So, you know, there is a balance there. You were saying there's a thousand and there probably is. But how many of them are working full-time? You know, are they doing it all the time or are they just doing it for six no, months No, no, 70% of the properties on Airbnb okay. in Cork City and County now are entire homes. Okay. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But And do you think they're available then the whole year round as well? On Airbnb, they, yes. Yeah. 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 I, okay, I mean, no, well, I, can't, I can't say that. I'm, I'm imagining they, if they're entire homes, I'd imagine the vast majority of them are available all year round. I mean, you're saying that they could be just holiday lets, is it? Yeah, holiday lets. And I, just when I went online for November, and it was just like there was 26 properties available in Cork. So I'm kind of going... On Airbnb? Know, re- on Airbnb, yeah, yeah. So if you go in and put two random dates, maybe October, November, one came up with 26 properties. 
Like there was a lot of shared, but there was 26 empty properties, we said, to go on Airbnb. So I don't know are people not doing it all the time. Do you know, I couldn't oh, tell you. I'd be yeah, lying yeah, about it. Do you know, yeah, you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. All I know is that they're entire homes. Um, that could they be are entire homes, but they may not be all year round. They may be entire homes so where the people only want to do it for three months and they don't really want the hassle, or as your previous caller said, paying half their income in tax. Yeah, so, because I mean, up, until, up until recently, there are no tax implications for anybody uh, who rents out an Airbnb. It's sheer profit. Well, mine isn't because we've been paying tax all the time. Yeah, well, fair play. To, that was voluntary then. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've been paying tax all the time. We put it through our accountant like everything else because I pay my stamp and my tax. Yeah. And quite a lot of the girls I know are paying tax on it as well. And could I ask because you, when you rent out the room on Airbnb, what would be a typical uh, tenant? Do you know what? We have, we've had people from China, we've people from the States. So it really depends. We had girls here for a month from um, Singapore. So they were doing, they were doing, they were medical students and they were in the Mercy for placement. So very random. You know what I mean? I could have Americans for three days. We could have maybe people move. We had a lot of people actually move into Ireland before COVID. Right. Like right. young couples, maybe Polish or from Ukraine, not, not so much from Ukraine, but like the Middle Eastern countries that we would have come visit Ireland. So they would stay with us until they found a place maybe. A what week, would they, what, do they get a bedroom with an ensuite, Margaret? Do you mind me asking? I tell you, no, there was two bedrooms and the bathroom was shared by the guest. They say two bedrooms for the guests and they shared a bathroom. So we say a bathroom for two, two rooms that was it and we had our own then after that and could so you would you be would it be full every time you advertise like could you be as busy as you uh, want do you know what You're absolutely as busy as you want and now I also would let them access my kitchen if they wanted to and what so would, it, what would a typical cost be for that then does it work out per night or per week I know I'm per very night. nosy Oh, no, no, the way you're <laughs> um, I suppose really in high season probably somewhere around 60 euro maybe per is room that- is that per person or per room? Oh, no, no, per room, per room. Right, yeah. okay. And that would include, that would include breakfast. Now, it wouldn't be a cooked breakfast, but it might be like scones and coffee and juice and, you know, typical kind of a, a non-cooked breakfast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they would also have access to the kitchen, which means they didn't have to eat out. And did you, do you have no so, problem with people with sharing your home like that with strangers? Well, I kind of enjoy it. Being honest, I kind of enjoyed it. We met a lot of really nice people. Like we had people who were still in touch with that we've met. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and then some people just wanted to come in and have their, it would just depend. Some people would just want the room. Some people wanted to cook. It depends on how long they were staying, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. But certainly, like, it is a nice income. And it certainly does. These people that came to me, they could not find a place, an apartment. You know, it wasn't the fact that I was, you know what I mean? They couldn't, they were here for a month. Like, no one was going to rent them an apartment for a month. No. I mean, their only option was Airbnb. Well, yeah, so, like, yeah that, was the, that was the general idea of Airbnb originally, exactly what you're doing. Airbnb yeah, exactly. was air yeah, bed yeah, and yeah, breakfast, you know? Basically, basically that's what it is. Now, as I say, I don't know, but I know I did look up, just before I came on the phone to you, I did look up, you might get a chance to get your research to look and see if they put a date in November, actually how many, will, how many properties will come up as available. Okay, well, let's look at low season then and see if it's... it's Just look different. at low season. I'll tell you what see, is depressing. If you look at daft.ie, there's only four pages of properties, four across oh, the entire Oh, absolutely. You know what? Wait, but, but then how many uh, properties are inside in the city that are neglected, that aren't being done up, that's owned by the government and put in the council? You know, they're empty houses that they need to get get at and retrofit and rent them out. Like, or maybe the people that own properties that are just totally sitting there, like that maybe the government hand, give them a hand to fix. They can't afford to fix it up. That maybe they get a low loan to I fix know. it up to rent it out. So it's there are shameful. other options. Yeah. But It's shameful to see them. Okay, good for but, you. Uh, I know. Okay. No, anyway, that's, that's, our, that's the home renter side of it, all right? All right, appreciate that. That's where uh, you're renting a room. 
problem. Thank you so much, Margaret. Bye, Cheers. Bye, no, bye, We've been looking bye. for somewhere to rent since the start of the year. I've never known anything like it. We are a couple, both working full time with reasonable incomes and we have savings but we're struggling to even get viewings. A couple of times we have got to the stage of submitting all our documents to the landlord, references, proof of earnings, savings, etc., but we have not been successful. Uh, Looking for a place to rent is like a full-time job in Cork. You have to constantly monitor daft.ie and message within minutes of a property going up if you're to have even the smallest chance of getting a viewing. You also have to be available to attend viewings at the drop of a hat. If an estate agent gets back to you, they'll tell you a time. I have not known any negotiation possible when it comes to viewing times. You see, they are so swamped with people that it feels like their mantra is, if you can't make the viewing, then you can't do the viewing. If you work nine to five, then try to fit everything around work is very difficult. You can't rent without a full-time job, and yet they expect you to be sitting at home waiting for them to get in touch with you. We message every time something comes up in our price range, which is not as many properties as you'd expect. Since Christmas, there have been over 50 properties that we have messaged and inquired about. To be honest, some have been outside our price range and in parts of Cork that would make commuting to work very difficult. But you feel as if you have no choice but to look everywhere now. There can be lulls of almost a week where very few properties appear and those that do can have vastly inflated prices. We've only had four viewings in total and from talking to other people at those viewings, we are not alone. Many are in the same boat. Some of the places we have viewed are essentially tiny one-bedroom apartments tagged onto somebody's house and the price could be well over €1,300 a month for one-bedroom apartment tagged on to the side of somebody's house. Some properties will appear on daft for only a matter of hours and then disappear. The strange thing is that three or four days later, those properties will reappear again. And this can happen as many four or five times. I'd love to know why this happens. Friends were asking me the other day what area we were looking in and how many bedrooms we were hoping for. And I had to try and explain to them that we were not in a position to be choosy or even have a list of expectations. The way the market is, we'd be lucky to get anything anywhere. The apartment we're currently living in is being sold. And with that deadline looming, it's becoming such a worry for both of us. Actually, it's terrifying. It wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that if this situation continues, we don't know how much, or sorry, we don't know how we can continue to even live in Cork or even Ireland if it goes on much longer. And it sounds mad talking about your home like that. Sorry for the long email, Neil. We just don't know what to do next. Please don't give out my details. And that's from Mike by email. And telling it as it is by email to Neil at redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. I mean, absolutely booming. I'm not saying that the Celtic Tiger boom is back and the craziness of all of that, but the boom is certainly back big time. And with that, of course, comes lots of other companies who want to come and set up here and open businesses here. But the problem we have, of course, is that we don't have places to live 
And the only things that seem to be built in any big amounts of quantity seem to be, uh, you know, campus accommodation or college accommodation or apartment blocks for students. I get story after story, personal story of people's struggles trying to find a home. Here's another one for you, just ahead of phone calls. I'm a single mother working full time as a nurse. I'm in a house that the roof has fallen in because of dampness and leaks. My kids are both sick from it and the mold and leaks are affecting their health big time. I can't find accommodation since last November to move to. I worked through all the pandemic. I won't be housed through the council. As I'm on, listen to this, as I'm on the housing list four and a half years and I've been told it will be at least 14 years before they house me off a housing list. 14 years, your children will be gone. But yet my daughter is having breathing issues and already is on two inhalers because of this. I regularly bid on the housing through CBL, the council's choice-based letting scheme. The last time I bid on a house, I was number 300 on the list for it. The council do not take into account your personal circumstances. It's your length of time on the housing list is all they're interested in. Imagine that, number 300 on the list. Uh, then, if there is an emergency housing situation, I'm sure they'd pass me out on the list as well. The council should not have people bidding against each other. There is a need for more social housing, and this is evident for years. On Christmas Eve, my six-year-old son woke with a wet head because of another leak falling upon him. According to the UN, every child should have their basic needs met, food, water, and a safe place, i.e. a roof over their heads, whether you're fleeing a war in the Ukraine, Syria, or anywhere else for that reason. We should give the same passion and help to all of the Irish families that have been homeless or trying to find adequate accommodation for their children so they're in a safe environment and it's not affecting their health physically or mentally. I may not be a politician. I'm just an ordinary person working as a nurse. And your definition of working class squeezed in the middle, unable to find accommodation in a developed country is me. And that by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Just how bad is it? We talk from time to time with Dave Whelan from First Choice Properties. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. You know, I was given out a list of uh, the most stressful professions and jobs yesterday. And I'd imagine your job has got to be right up there because um, you must be driven demented from people looking for somewhere to rent. Are you? Well, it's, it's probably stressful. If you're an empathetic person, which I think I am in most cases, and I feel very sorry for tenants um, looking for properties. It's it's a very tough job for them at the moment. Number one, to find somewhere that is suitable, and number two, to afford it. Okay, let me just jump in for one second. There's been some kind of an accident on Cars Hill. Somebody's just got in touch saying, there's a taxi on fire halfway up Cars Hill, lads. The fire brigade are on the scene. Driver's fine. Traffic is badly backed up towards the link, so bear that in mind and slow down. Okay, so you have to have an empathetic bone in your body for it to hurt. And but no, that, that's where you get a bit stressful, Neil, when you feel sorry for people and you try and find properties for them, you know. But I, you, 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 that, that nurse there now is another um, case of where I'd be frustrated if I, if I was the agent and she was the, the giving uh, out about a leak. Some landlords won't respond to this type of problem and that lady has a right to have her roof fixed to have the league stopped and to make sure that her kids don't get sick i mean dampness causes mold which causes respiratory disorders yeah and she said she has she's got the kid on two inhalers that's unacceptable and i would say that she needs to contact her landlord but what's the point if this the the person that owns that property they they know full well you go to the RTB and you take the route that you need to take, you know. 
Um, and and it's, 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 it's unfortunate that she has to even fight for the basic rights for her children. What would happen? Would, would she be able to exacerbate matters and speed them up if she stopped paying rent? Well, that's one way that uh, of getting the attention of your landlord. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but it's the one way that you will grab the attention of your, uh, your, 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 your landlord um, straight away. Why aren't you paying the rent? Because I have a leak in my roof, and I'm not paying them until you fix it. Okay. It's not the right thing to do, but you will get their, their, their attention. So let's look at the property. Let's look at the property market and what's available or not. Um, I sent you a copy of yesterday the Airbnb report you that Tripe and Rasheen yeah. did, and you saw the numbers. Yeah. Everything seems to have migrated over to short-term lets. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I think Neil, if you look at um, first choice property as a regulated agent, right? We have to advertise. Sorry, we advertise on Daft. We advertise uh, in, in other various forums, but. To advertise on the on the, the recognised major sites, we have to have a bar cert, right? So the onus is on Daft won't take the ad from us unless we have um, a bar number and a bar rating. Energy rating. And uh, right, yes. So that that's one way of making sure that we're advertising properly. And if you look then at, I looked at Airbnb, and you look at uh, properties that are advertised on Airbnb. Owners direct these type of of, of I say short term rental um, portals, right? You see a lot of the foreign properties attract a certificate with them. You know that they're approved by the tourism board, or that they they have certain approval certificates attaching to the properties. And I think it would be very wise of the government to make it a responsibility of Airbnb to have a certificate i.e. certificate of planning or certificate from a council to allow short-term lettings to go to that property. And if they haven't got the certificate, they're not allowed advertising. Yeah, but, okay, you know? all right. Well, that might just that might just tighten up the quality, but it's the sheer numbers I'm talking about. No, the- but, uh, yes, it, it, it might tighten up the quality, but, for example, if you have a house that doesn't have planning for short-term lettings, it can't go on Airbnb. Yeah, if I mean... They're not, but but those on Airbnb aren't applying for change of use planning. They're 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 just not. Only fifty one applications were made in the last three years, and yet there's like fourteen, fifteen hundred of them. I know of people who rent properties, as in they go in as tenants to rent a building, and then they split it up room by room and sublet the whole lot of them through Airbnb. And yes, they don't even live in the property themselves. And they're making a profit over it. They're using it to make a living. But if And a very handy living at that. Absolutely. It is it is it's hard work. And it is uh, it, it, it's something you're dedicated to. But it's you're breaking the system. But how is it you hard know? work, incidentally? Because even if you do have you an Airbnb short term let, you're charged for you're charged for cleaning, so the owner can just bring in cleaners. Yeah, but I suppose if you're doing it to, to as if you're doing it to make a living, you do the cleaning. You get the bail in and ready. You you're, you're there to meet the people. You're there to see them off to collect keys, etc. You know, so that there are you know that there is there is work in it, and it is it is a way of making a living, no doubt about it. But if the law says you're supposed to have um, council planning to accommodate short-term lettings, you should have to display that within the ad on Airbnb. In my opinion, okay, well, the government has the power to do that. Okay. They have power over social media and to, to make legislation. They have power to do this here. And it is 
it, it does seem to be a bugbear of many a politician out there that this is affecting the, the housing market. Okay, because it's easy just to turn to Airbnb then. There are no regulations or requirements or anything. It's just off you go. And even up until recently, no ta- tax implications at all. No tax implications. I have a friend of mine living in the UK who used to rent his house out over... He used to use a purely Airbnb and he used to rent his house. He has a beautiful house in the Cotswolds and he rents his house out decent premium which pays for his holidays. But once he finished doing three weeks, he couldn't do any more because it didn't become feasible because of the tax liability. Because Airbnb report to Inland Revenue in the UK in terms of what what individuals are charging and what revenue they're getting. So it, it is a bit tighter in the UK, but he's, he, 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 um, he can't rent any more than three weeks to make it worth his while before he gets a big tax okay. liability. Okay, listen. So, but, you know, so, yeah, but listen, with regards to where we find ourselves now, this is one of the biggest yeah. issues of our time, isn't it? People trying to find somewhere to live. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And there just aren't enough properties. And people are on there aren't no problem. No, contacting and they're on... There's a huge shortage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? There is a huge shortage, but you, you must look at it. It's not... It's not... Um, it's not um, up to the private sector to sort out the housing property, the housing issue. It is a government issue. And Airbnb, yeah, while they're a stumbling block and they're in the way, the government still are not doing enough. How does... It, but how does... Um, how does... Building. How does a rental property agency on behalf of a landlord um, choose a tenant? Like, is it, is it just, like, how does it work? Is it just a lottery? It, it, the way we work, Neil, to be honest with you, is what we will do is, well, we're not advertising enough, not in Daft, because we have lists of people that have looked at properties over the previous weeks, and we go straight back to them. And we know, I have tenants, now potential tenants, that I've built up a rapport with who I know are ready, and we have them vetted, ready to go for the next property. So I don't need to put it... A lot of the time, I don't need to advertise on that. But if I put an ad up on that, and 20 people show up for reviewing, and we have 12 applications for that property, we'll, we will shortlist that 12 to those who come with it. We'll give them a deadline to have all the information into us. We will then go to the landlord and say, look, we have now got 10 people, but they've sent us all their various... Um, uh, references, ID, PPS numbers, etc. And they're the ones we recommend. And we'll have a chat to the landlord. And between ourselves and the landlord, we'll pick out maybe one or two who we'll go with. We'll offer it to number one. If they don't want to, we'll go to number two, etc. And that's kind of how we do it, you know. And, and how we'll do you choose the, the successful candidate at the end then? Has it to do with whether or not they have children, working full time? No, uh, no. Whether they have comes, pets, comes, bank balance? What? No, well, I don't know about bank balance. We don't look for bank statements. Some agencies do. We don't look for bank statements. I assume that if someone is looking for a house, they can afford the rent based on the fact that they have um, either half assistance or they have um, uh, a job. Ex- you know, with a certain, certain company. You, at this stage, with experience, you know what someone is earning if they give you a reference, what, what, who they're working for and what time of job. So you're saying that the em- their employer can swing it for them, who you work for? No, no, that, that, no, not, no, no. The fact, you, you, if you, if I meet someone, I suppose the first thing I do is, can they afford the rent? And um, number two, um, have their references showing that they were, that that they have rented before? And you often go to gut feeling as well, Neil, because some people will come to you looking for a property where they might have rented on before they're moving out of home. Um, a, a young couple, you know, a lot of time your your gut feeling will tell you that that, that they're going to be good, and that's that comes with experience. But at the end of the day, it's um, we'll take. 
who we think will, number one, we try and look at someone who's going to give the landlord value for money, i.e. that they stay there a bit, a bit longer than one year lease. Uh, number two, that they can afford it. And number three, that they're, um, that they're, Totally. But but but, but it's a fi- but it's a fixed rent, is it? It's not. It doesn't become like a Dutch auction between the last two or three years. No, 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 no. I've I've been offered. People have offered to pay me six months in advance. They pay another two grand on top. But but you know we don't do that. This is the rent. The rent that is advertised is the rent that is, is paid. And it's as simple as that. We're we're too regulated to act as cowboys. You know. And just another interesting point that I just wanted to make, and that point, you know, with regards to renting a, a property. So you, so you have the, the, the tenants coming to you looking for properties. Are there as many property owners coming to, you know, agencies looking to rent their properties anymore? At the moment, we're, 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 we're not growing as quickly as we would have. Okay, and why, why, why is that? Is it because everyone's at this Airbnb lark? Uh, possibly, no, I don't think so. I think mainly people aren't leaving houses. So until a house becomes vacant, a landlord lorry doesn't come to us unless they've bust up with another agent. But generally speaking, people aren't leaving houses. I can't get three and four bed houses to save my life. You know, um, last week I took on a nice two bed in Glanmire from a, a client of mine who's, over, he, he, he's, 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 I suppose over the last three or four years, he's becoming turning into a professional landlord. Yeah. He's buying properties that will hopefully uh, fund his, his retirement. And that's where we got a new house last week. I got a new house from another, actually a new, a new apartment from an existing client. We didn't have the two-bed apartment before, but it became available, she asked us to rent it for her. But generally speaking, um, I'm not getting three and four-bed houses. I'm not getting what, what that nurse, that, that, and I go back to the nurse, you about there. She has two kids herself, so she probably needs a three-bed, and they're the hardest property to get. Okay. people aren't leaving them. And, no there, and just finally, with regards to the Glanmire property, was that a three-bed semi, or what was it, do you know? No, that was a two-bed. Okay, and what, was the, what was the interest in that like? Very strong. Rented for 1,500 euros, and could have rented it for more. But you're precluded for renting it for more because of uh, no, pressure no, zones. No, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a brand new property. Uh, sorry, it's a property that was never rented, totally renovated. It wasn't rented before. And do you have any number as to the amount of people that expressed interest in that property? Um, I didn't put it up on daft because I had a list. You had the list. Uh, yeah. And we showed it to 12 people on that list. Uh, two people wanted it. And they're all willing to pay fifteen hundred euros for us. Job done. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know. Yeah. Okay. But, so, um, so this yeah, is the, the, the bottom line is the government needs to do more, and I think Airbnb are probably not the ones that need to be criticised. They're they're working within the, the rules that are given. Oh, to them. not disputing that they're um, doing anything wrong, but there are a thousand and eighty nine full homes for short term no, letting on Airbnb, no. and sixty two oh. on Daft. Well, homeowners are probably. Uh, trying to get over loopholes. That's that's the difference, you know. And sometimes, a lot of my work is uh, managing landlords' expectations because they they see, I see Airbnb and they're getting this much and that much. It's all anecdotal. No, I don't know about that. Like that that example of Turner's Cross and a, a home there making seventy one and a half grand a year. Yes, no, no, Airbnb. I agree with you, Neil. And that's if someone is committed to doing Airbnb themselves, meeting, greeting, cleaning, getting the property organised. It's they're going on the short term route then, and that's that's a different model to what we work with. Okay, I t- tried, I tried Airbnb um, during COVID, um, and 
because of my lack of experience, I got caught out with a couple of ladies from Spain using an apartment as a brothel. Oh, for God's and, sake. And, uh, how, did you cop, how did you cop that one? Because, well, it was the middle of COVID when we weren't allowed of visitors to homes and uh, the, the fire alarm kept being set off by, let's say, uh, visitors, right? Oh, and when I reviewed the CCTV, I could see a traffic of um, men visiting this particular property and um, did my investigations online and I was able to find that there was these particular ladies operating out of the same property. Um, but lo and behold, when I kicked them out, they went to Airbnb and told Airbnb that I broke the law as opposed to them breaking the law and breaking COVID regulations. And I've since been expelled from Airbnb. As, so in, short, as in banned? I'm banned, yeah, from my short, my short <laughs> flirting with Airbnb didn't work out. Interesting story. Interesting story. Yeah. All right, listen, thanks for taking the call as always, Dave. Cheers, all the best. Dave Whelan, First Choice Properties, text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. A little bit of housekeeping for you. Again, more tickets to give away, and we have them all week long, for Riverdance. And, of course, Riverdance is live at the Marquee on Friday, June 3rd. Can't wait for the Marquee. I just love having all that buzz in the city. I think it's absolutely terrific. Uh, we may not have got the America's Cup, but Riverdance keeps, sorry, live at the Marquee keeps coming back. And with COVID behind us, another great lineup. So, enough of me. Again, these uh, these songs, artists and titles please in the correct order, and being Riverdance, they have an aquatic connection, an aquatic connection, as in it's all about the water. So don't call just yet, but when I open the phone lines, artists and titles in the right order, please. A lot of different decades going on there. Artists and titles in the right order when I open the phone lines for tickets for Riverdance Live with the Marquee on Friday, June 3rd. And just uh, um, uh, another wonderful competition that's running right across the radio station at the moment. It is, of course, uh, Red FM's First Dance. It's all to do with first wedding songs. This is an association with Best Menswear, Michelle the Jewelers and Cinderella's Closet. Why? Well, each of them are offering five grand's worth of the best of gear. So five grand to get suited and booted in best menswear, 5,000 for the finest wedding dress from Cinderella's Closet, and another five grand to spend on jewellery at Michelle the Jeweler. So uh, if you want to win it and you're getting married and you're getting hitched and you'd like to win this superb prize, all you got to do is go to redfm.ie and there's a list of first dance songs there. Pick the one you like best and then stay listening to the radio if it's played Pick up the phone and ring. And I'll be playing another one of those first dance songs just before midday today. And if it's your chosen one, then you need to get on the phone ASAP 0818104106 to claim your, your place in the next round. And you could well win 15 euro, 15,000 euro worth of clubber and jewelry, uh, courtesy of uh, Best Menswear, Cinderella's Closet 
and of course Michelle the Jewelers. Lines are open for all of the business. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106 text 0868104106 and um, this, this is a call we took yesterday from a lady who didn't want to come on the air. She says don't give out my details please as I'd be too afraid that it'd be turfed out on the street uh, but I did ask her to send an email instead. I didn't, I didn't want her to, to go on air if she was anyway kind of touchy-feely about it but uh, she certainly is an interesting story to tell because they're staying in a hotel at the moment. And she says, and this is it. Your thoughts are welcome on it. Uh, she says, I feel very sorry for all the Ukrainians who are fleeing the war with Russia. But what is most annoying is that they're coming into Ireland and being treated like kings and queens. It is very frustrating when you see people being housed within a few days of arriving here. Meanwhile, I'm 12 years on the housing list and six months in emergency accommodation. The Ukrainians are getting everything and we are here struggling. Uh, This is in a hotel and she's in the same hotel that Ukrainian uh, families and Ukrainian women and children and what have you are staying in at the moment. She says, I have four kids and yesterday, as the kids were out playing, a group arrived at the hotel and gave the Ukrainian children little bags with what I believe were colouring books and crayons. My four children were passed over, even though we are staying in the very same accommodation. A businessman arrived at the hotel earlier in the week to ask the Ukrainian families what type of sport and games they wanted to play and that he would sort out the basketball hoops and goals and balls. The same individual did nothing for families like mine who are struggling. All my kids are doing is playing with the stones out the back of the hotel. It's not nice, I can tell you. If you were anyone with a heart, you would have included the few kids that were not Ukrainian. But they didn't. They're coming in and getting housed. Uh, The reason they're getting housing is because of greed, greed for money. Um, The state are paying €210 on top of the rent per head per week um, for anyone who's taken in by an Irish hotel. We are fed breakfast and no other meals, but the Ukrainians are fed all of their meals in this hotel. Breakfast, lunch, dinner and supper. Before the Ukrainians came, we were fed a fry, as in, you know, a full Irish. Now we're expected to eat a continental breakfast. It's what the Ukrainians eat in the morning. I've tried my utmost to get out of this situation I find myself in and my family, and I'm getting nowhere. My eldest is now 11 and suffers from anxiety. Her stress levels are through the roof. She shouldn't have to be living tops to tails with her younger brothers and sisters in the same bed. We are sleeping, eating, and going to the bathroom all in one place. Whatever happened to you should look after your own first. The Ukrainians are not even guard vetted. I've now been told that the Ukrainians that are refused entry into the UK are getting the ferry to the north and coming into the Republic and not being checked. Don't give out my details. I'd be afraid that it would be turfed out on the street. Now, that lady was due to come on air, but obviously had some thought about it and felt that she might get uh, grief from people if she did come on air, so sent an email instead. And, and I could understand why she might feel as if people would react to an email like that, because it's pretty strong. I know nothing of um, Ukrainians being housed. Um, she claims that there's huge disparity in the hotels that are taking Ukrainian refugees. Um, when you compare how the Ukrainian families are being dealt with and looked after and Irish families in the home of same hotels or not. So these are her words, uh, not mine. Um, I don't think in any way, shape or form it's the fault of Ukrainians and refugees. They're happy to be here and they're thankful of what they're getting in this country. Uh, and, and clearly, 
you know, they're out of their own country because of devastating reasons. But So I wouldn't be thinking that there's any, you know, there's no blame on refugees come over here, but there certainly seems to be a lot of disparity when you see an email like that between, you know, those that come here and are getting um, very well looked after, I have to say, while at the same time our own children, our own families, according to this emailer, are just being ignored or treated in a second-class way. It's almost like a form of... It's almost like a form of apartheid, really, and it's not very nice. Uh, thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. That's a typical example. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red oh. FM. All right. I was chatting earlier on, uh, doing the newspapers, about a couple of bottles of uh, whiskey. These are Middleton uh, very rare whiskeys that sold for huge money recently. A 45-year-old single malt sold for 48 grand and a 46-year-old single pot still Irish sold for 46,000 euro. I don't know the difference between a very rare or a rare. I don't know the difference between a single pot or a double pot or a triple distilled or whatever it is. It's all just whiskey to me, but huge amounts of money. I prompted a call from Bernice. Bernice, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? And thank you so much. You sent me photographs of your Hi. bottle of whiskey. Tell me about it. It was a present. I actually got two of them um, in 1984 when they first came out. And we've, we ha- had one with, you know, occasions over the years, um, you know, for my dad's funeral and, and things like that. But I have this bottle and I nearly spat out my coffee this morning when you said the price of what they were selling for. <laughs> and I kind of thought, Jesus, because I remember you had uh, the new master um, class from the theory on there about a year and a half That's ago. right. And years ago, I also spoke to Barry Crockett, who retired some years back. He was the... He was the master distiller there for a long, long time. And your bottle is signed by Barry Crockett. It is. It is indeed. Um, and as I said, it is split up my coffee when I heard you saying the price of it. Because I remember uh, the last time you, you had um, the Nuna master uh, distiller on, I inquired about it. And I would have got a thousand euro for the bottle. And I kind of went, well, I'm not sending it for that. You know, so when you said those prices this morning... I, Said, we googled we googled your bottle of Middleton Very Rare Irish Whiskey signed by Barry Crockett and laid down in 1984, I think. That's correct. 38 years old. How much would you think it's worth now? Well, as I say, about a year and a half ago, I inquired and I would have got a thousand euro for it. Okay. It's now worth at least two and a half thousand euro. Right, it's not too bad. But it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> like the bank, the banks will charge you to hold on to your money. Now you'll get no interest on deposits. You'll get, you'll get nothing. <laughs> like you've doubled. I know. I mean, I'd love to throw an extra zero on it, but what can you do? <laughs> it, 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 some, uh, it was still the oil tank and it's about a year right Yeah, <laughs> and if you hadn't drank the other bottle, you'd be five grand up. <laughs> I could run the car <laughs> So what are you going to do? Is it in a box? It's in a box. It's 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 uh, the whole lot. As I say, I sent down the photographs to you, and there's a sleeve that goes over that box as well. And you also um, have a certificate with it. I do. I had I had the certificate and had the number, and it's signed in by Barry Crockett. And a bottle number. And a bottle number. Yeah, the bottle number's there. I sent it on to you. It's a 38-year-old, very rare. Now, you would think that it would be worth more than that. Hold, hold on yeah. there. Let, let me talk all things whiskey, if you don't mind, with the manager of the okay. Shelburne Bar in McCurtain Street, because the Shelburne has the most incredible selection of whiskeys. It's renowned for its whiskeys. Mark Lonigan is the man there and joins me by phone. Mark? 
Hi, that's me. How's it going? Just, just quickly, on say for instance that bottle, the Middleton Very Rare eighty four. Would you yeah. would you agree with that valuation that we got from CelticWhiskeyShop dot com? Two and a half grand. So that's what they're selling it for. Yeah, it's it's if a collector needs this, it's it's whatever they they're willing to pay for. It. Um, those bottles, the eighty four bottle, is probably yeah, is in around reaching around that, in around that price point. Yeah, yeah. between kind of fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred. Okay. Would you be inclined to uh, sell it, Bernie, sir? Like, say, for instance, Mark, what would you what would you be sitting on in another five years' time? It depends on the market. Um, if people are like the Milton Rares are massive at the moment, uh, there's a huge, huge interest in collecting them all, um, especially the last few years. Uh, last year's one was going for, or the year before was going for eight hundred euro a bottle, cause you, and you just couldn't get your hands on it. Um, yeah, it, it depends on the market. It's, it's, it's all demand. Um, if people want it, the price is there. If people don't want it, the price isn't there. Who's buying but them? Again, uh, collectors. There's a lot of uh, Irish whiskey collectors. It's become a very big thing last few years. Um, I know a lot of people now who, who would have a big uh, Middleton collection. They'd have a bottle from every year. The full collection from 84 up to now is probably worth between 45 and 50 grand. Wow, just by putting away a bottle a year since 1984. Yeah. Why do you say 84? What was happening before that? Uh, 84 was the first release of Middleton Rare. Okay, so I'll come back so to the ones that sold for big money in, in a second. So what are you going to do with the, with regards to your bottle, Bernice? Do you want me to mind, do you want me to mind it for you? Do you can mind it for me, and if you see the market going up, forgive me a bolt. <laughs> Well, don't drink it, whatever you do. Do you hear me? Oh, God, no. I, I went this long now without doing it, Neil. I can tell you, I, I'll hold on to this one now. Yeah, I wouldn't be making the Christmas puddings with it or anything like that anytime <laughs> soon. <All right. laughs> no, no, absolutely not. All right, let's see if anybody can beat that. Thanks, Bernie. So this, this was a Middleton very rare, Mark. Is there a difference between rare and very rare? Just talk to me about that. Yeah, no, so the, the original bottling, or if, uh, Middleton, when it comes out every year, the, 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 it's Middleton very rare. It's... Well, it's a lot of people call it Middleton Rare. It's the same thing. So uh, generally, it's released once a year from the master, dis- master distiller. Currently, it's Kevin Gorman. Back in the day, it was Barry Crockett and it was Brian Nation in between. Uh, so generally, th- there's a different amount of bottles every year. Uh, generally, it's between 2,500 cases or something like, or something like that. Some stay in Ireland, some go out foreign. And when they're, um, when they're released, how long would they have been laid down for is, or distilled? What's the right term? It's different, it's different every year. So the uh, Bernice's bottle would have been probably laid down maybe early 70s. Wow. The parts of it. There's different, because it's a blended whiskey, it's, uh, there's different components in it. Right. So some would be older than others. So the, the current, the, the Middleton 2022, I believe, would have elements of whiskey that could be 25, 26, 27 years okay, old. Okay, yeah. But not okay. all of it is that, is that old. Okay, so Middleton's bottle there, the very rare, uh, yeah. that sold for, uh, it was a five, 45-year-old single malt. It made 48,000 euro. Yes. That's so the highest that's price paid for an Irish whiskey at a public auction ever. Yeah. So that stuff would have been from the old Middleton distillery. Um, it would have been laid down um, 45 plus years ago and forgotten about. And the might have, by the time they bottled it, um, I think they only got 100, maybe less, less 100 bottles or less out of it, out of the cask. So and somebody that buys that then and spends 48 grand on it, and there was a second yeah. one that sold for 46, do they drink it? I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to be invited around to their house and find out. Yeah. Or, or do they uh, buy it as an investment? A lot of people, um, they buy it and they like, they like, they like having it. And they don't open it. Um, 
I think with those ones as well, you, there, there was a little sample that came with it that you could try. That yeah. you do if you don't if you don't want to drink it. But again, if you're a collector, you want the you want the bottle and the sample not opened. So yeah, it, some people do open them. Um, I have a few older whiskeys myself. I've I've opened them. I know a lot of guys who would be of the mind that you have it. It's there for drinking, not for looking at. Even um, though you know you're drinking a lot of money. Absolutely, yeah. Right, so sometimes, sometimes you have to spoil yourself now. So that, so because of the passion of the love of whiskey, Absolutely, you don't yeah. want to be looking at it in the bottle. You want to drink it. And what is, is there a huge international market for Middleton Rare? There is, yeah. Um, like Middleton is the is the standard of Irish whiskey, um, especially for pot stills and blends. Um, yeah, there's a massive, there's a massive people looking, massive amount of people looking for all the Middletons and and to try Middleton whiskey. I also um, saw a, a report there some weeks back saying that for the first time ever, correct me if I'm wrong, Irish whiskey is outselling Scotch whiskey in America. It uh, probably is. It's the fastest growing spirit in the world. Would that um, be Jameson, would it? Another Middleton? Oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's all, it would be all the brands. Uh, the, all the Irish brands are getting massive exposure across Europe and the States. Um, Middleton is leading, is leading the way. Uh, but the other brands are, are, are catching up. Yeah, I see a lot of product placement on American television shows. You ever notice that they seem to, all of the TV shows, they're all drinking whiskey. They drink it like as if they're drinking Tanora. But a lot of the time you see the bottle label and it's Irish. That's helping, I'd say, is it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, we've, we've, 25 years ago, we'd only three distilleries in Ireland. We're up to 43 now. So the more exposure and the more, more people buying whiskey, all the better for uh, the growth of Irish whiskey. Okay, and tell me so finally about whiskey as an investment, because clearly somebody's making an awful lot of money just by being patient. Is it, is it a game that people should get into? Uh, yeah, but it's like all investments. It's, there's no guarantees. Um, there is zero guarantees. Like at the moment, the market's very strong, and I reckon it'll stay strong for a long time. But at some, at some, some stage, there will be a, there has to be a crash, um, and you don't want to be Johnny on the spot with forty or fifty bottles worth at the time worth thousands, and all of a sudden, then they're worth nothing. And you, and I suppose you also have to be very patient, don't you? You're talking about oh, decades. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like you could be sitting on bottles 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Okay, what's um, the dear? What's the dearest? Shot of whiskey you'd have in the Shelburne then? The most uh, expensive we have is a Teeling 33 year olds. Teeling? Uh, Teeling, yeah. So it would have been made by um, Bushmills originally, and it was bought by uh, John Teeling back when he opened up his distillery in 85, I believe, I think it was 85. And um, it goes for 395 euro a measure. And does anybody actually drink it or buy it? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, they do. People know we have it, and they want to come in and try it. Um, who are, like who? Who are they? Do they? They sit there on their own and just save. We them? we have a lot of people who come in because they know our collection. But um, the last person who had it now was a gentleman from America. Uh, well, very well to do. Um, he would own several casks of whiskey down in Middleton, and uh, he's he kind of he's of the mind that he wants to try everything. And uh, who might have stopped him? And he'd spend three hundred and fifty on a shot. Yeah, he sent three hundred ninety-five. He actually he had two. He had two of them because he he had us and he wanted to make sure he really liked it, so he had another one. So that was nearly four hundred euro, eight hundred yeah. euro. Yeah. <laughs> was he happy? He was delighted. Yeah, so were we. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man alive. Some people and their money. All right, Mark, listen, thanks for taking the call. I'll let you get back to your whiskies. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, bud. Take care, Mark Lonigan at the Shelburne. So, if you like your whiskey and you have no problem spending big money, uh, there you know. Now you know where to go. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, the great Liam O'Higgin, the Cork historian, has a lovely talk happening at the Bishopstown Library. Uh, and I want to talk to him in a, in a few minutes' time. A uh, little bit of reminiscing uh, from Lee's side from years gone by. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. We have a lot to be proud of on Lee's side amongst it is our whiskey. This is interesting because it just was a throwaway this morning just reading out some bits and pieces in the paper. The price of bottles of Middleton whiskey that are selling for 30 and 40 and, and 50 grand. Val, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, you know um, someone working down in the distillery, is it? Not actually working there, but um, when the 22-year was released there, maybe three, four weeks back, yeah. um, my son went down to get some. Uh, there, were a queue, there was a queue there, and this was around half nine. Right. There was a queue there, about 15 deep, uh, of people queuing up to specifically buy the 22 Middleton, the new release. Away. And there was a limit of two bottles per person. And they, would they be in the would they be in the wooden the little wooden box that they come with the certificate? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, it's okay. double double doors on it. Okay. Did he get? Um, did he get a couple of bottles? He he did. He got two. How much? Uh, two hundred euros. And is that value? Uh, it is, Neil. If you look at since COVID came in, it's been like gold dust. If you go searching for it and you miss the release. If you go around June, July looking for it, you can't get it in Ireland. Okay, okay. You can get it online and the price is double. 400. So it w- yeah, it was online for 350, 400. Some were looking for five. People flipping the bottle, is it? Exactly, yeah. They, okay. They're picking up three or four, and I think as a result of that, the distillery limited to two bottles, as far as I know. And your son now, what will he do with those two bottles? He'll just, he gave me one. And he kept one for himself, and he he just started his collection last year. Oh, it's a collection then, is it? Yeah, he'll just, as an investment, I suppose, Neil. You know? He's not going to crack it open of an evening or anything? No, 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 no. Right, yeah. I actually had a buddy then, um, last year, early last year, sorry, a year and a half ago, and I rang him just because he's into picking stuff up if he can make a few bob on it. So... He was able to go to his local off license, as they're called here, and he was able to get the previous three years. No problem. Where? And, uh, there was no shortage in Australia, Melbourne. All right, okay. So if people are looking or want to yeah, start yeah. a collection or just want a bottle, <laughs> fly to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have gotten very popular. And so, it, it actually, when it goes from the distillery below... It just becomes like gold dust, and I think people just want to get it because it's not available in the off-season. I hear you. I hear you. Like, I have a two... Somebody gave me two boxes, two of the boxed 2001 Middleton, very rare, 2001. I gave one of them away, and I kept the other. I think it's worth about a grand or or 1,100, you know, that kind of way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that so, was that's nearly 20 years ago. You want to be talking 40 year plus before you start making any kind of decent money, though. Well, if you want to double your money a year, a year or less than a year, it's out there to be got. Really? As the previous, yeah, as the previous guy said, it's the demand, and it's it's been there for the last two and a half years. The demand. 
Yeah, you wouldn't get it in a bank and you wouldn't get it on the stock market. What do you make of um, somebody coming in and paying 395 euro for a shot of whiskey in a bar? Well, you want to have a lot of money. <laughs> I suppose if you're a multimillionaire, 395 euro is like 15 or 20 quid to you, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, you said it. Yeah, okay, so, all right. Uh, Listen, right. mind yourself, appreciate that. Okay. Take care. Talking about, you know, when you look at... As Liam O'Higgins does often look at the history and the stories and the folklore and the nostalgia. And Leeside joins me by phone because he's doing a great talk today out in Bishopstown. Liam, good morning. Good morning. Ian. Can How you re- can you rem- go? I'm good. Can you remember all of the brewery smells on Leeside years back? Whether it was whiskey or stout or gin, there were so many of them. You're after putting a very bad heart into my mind all by over the whiskey. <laughs> we. <laughs> We buried the bottle of whiskey with my father. We put it into the coffin. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, nearly 50 years ago. And I'm very tempted now to go up to some of Bells and dig up that grave. <laughs> was, was it a good bottle? What was it? Was it paddy or paddy, what? Paddy, 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 paddy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But that raises another story for me for another day as to what memorabilia or memento did you bury with your mother and father, but that's for another day. But you remember the distillery on Watercourse Road, for instance, and the distillery at the North Mall? I remember the North Mall one, because um, I was only a child at the time, but what I remember about the distillery was that there was lots of fishermen used to uh, fish there at the entrance into the, into the into right by Rayleigh's Bridge there at the entrance um, yeah. as well. yeah. We'd, we'd batter them going out and everything. We'd throw stones into the water just to frighten the fish and get a chase off the fishermen. And I can, I can remember walking in and out to Blackpool out the Watercourse Road and passing the distillery on the right-hand side and the smell. And the aroma, I, I, the I think it probably was gin they were making at the time, you know? Right. Uh, yes. But but it was very strong. It was a fabulous smell. But it had been right. malt and barley and hops and grain. Oh, and it, it was lovely smells around the city that time. There were all the grease factories and everything. But another thing I remember about the distillery and um, in the Malibus, they used it during the war. They used to stack a torch there. You know, mm. during the emergency? Yeah, yeah. yeah there'd, there'd be piles of torch there. I'm sure you slip in there to get a few... Bags of torch and slip it, bring it home, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I thought that time, because, you know, that time when you were buying coal for the fire, it was a peck of coal. You would get a shovel of coal, and that was it, like, and you'd be sent over to, um, there was a coal store there in Phillips's Lane, um, just off of Grattan Street, and you'd get a, a bag of torch and a peck of coal. Or you were following the coal lorries for whatever they dropped. Well, people did that down the keys, you know, going on when, once the, the, the truck went around the corner and a few lumps of coal fell off, they'd gather it up, you know, that's the way things were. You know, you're talking about the, the, the Ukrainians there now. I mean, I know now I wouldn't go back, I don't want to go back to those days, but memories are the great thing, Lee. And when we, you know, you were on well ago about 100 years' time, what are we going to put down? What are we going to be eating? I just thought it might have been an interesting question for people to read in a hundred years' time. Like, yeah. what, what well, food I mean, did you eat today? If I was asked that now 50 years ago, what did I eat 50 years ago? Well, 70 years ago now. <laughs> we had backbones, half-heads, bodice, true beans, pig's tails, tripe and rachine, and donnelly sausages. So apart from That's kind of like the sausage, and that could even be questionable, everything else was awful. Awful, yeah, that's what we were there, man. That's what we The eat. cheapest of the cuts. Well, at the time, they weren't very cheap to us. You know, when pe- people were poor that time, Lee. 
All right, you had the, you had the gentry up around, up around um, Montanati, you know. Sunday as well, and Blackrock Road. Parish yeah. Snow Lake, and people that moved over to Middle Parish up the ground in Bellevue Hen, and uh, they remember all that, like. Well, they, they wouldn't admit it now, but their parents would remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the sanitation and everything was told about. But, um... Because the sanitation in the alleys and the lanes would have been... At, Unbelievable. At, 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 I mean, at, everyone, everyone living in the marsh, Neil, in the tenement house, either became a great whistler or a great singer. <laughs> because when, when you went into the toilet, <laughs> you, had, you had a half door, and if you heard someone come, you started whistling just to let them know that you were in the toilet. <laughs> I you sing it. <laughs> you know, all these things, they're little memories now that will come back to you with most people my age. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, they must have very, they must have had very, he- you must have had very healthy constitutions, though, what you were eating and the sanitation and the pollution and everything. I mean, it was dreadful. You look at the, the lanes that were there before, there were lanes off lanes, and they, they didn't have running water and they didn't have flush toilets. Correct, correct. And newspaper hanging on a nail. If you were lucky enough to have newspaper, I remember. And now, and now they're cribbing if it's not four ply toilet roll. Listen, I remember coming up from St. Hoss's <laughs> in the North Mystery, wrapped in tissue paper. And your mother would put the tissue paper into the drawer. That was in case you had a visitor. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's still in our DNA, actually, isn't it? Keeping wrapping paper for a better. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll need that. Or keeping twine. Oh, that'll come in very handy. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. If you ever played golf, you'd have a biscuit tin full of teas at home. And you'd still go looking for a tea on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> I still cut the plug. I still cut the plugs off old appliances. That plug will come in very handy. <laughs> oh my God, Almighty! Is that is are, are these the kind of things you'll be talking about at Bishopstown Library today? Yeah, exactly. And the games we played, you know, all the games. I never know. Just thinking of some of them, they're like a bomb the biscuit. One, two, three. The book is read. Release. I'm talking about whiskey. What about spin the bottle? We were spinning thousands of we didn't realize it. Uh, I, played, I played a lot of those games and I wasn't around in the 40s and 50s. Spin the bottle, uh, the book is read, stuff like that. Yeah, turn it up the alley, run away knock, kick the can, spinning tops, cat and dog, handball, football, hoops, tug of war. The football would have been literally on the street, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember playing football out in the, mid, the middle of Henry Street. There could be 30 of us there. And not a car inside. No, Did you actually it. have a football, though? Oh, no, 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 no. Because no. either a tennis ball or a paper ball with twine wrapped around it. <laughs> 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 and could be like the World Cup final. Other stuff that we played with. Chessies and pitch and toss. Did you ever play effect, as we used Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. Up against a corner wall in the man or something like that. Or conkers and glassy alleys, yeah, all yeah. of it. Again, there was a house in Henry Street, number 25, and they had a lovely little garden out the front. And um, the house is still there. The garden is gone. But that's where we played all the effect. It was grand. You know, to, and building up the, the two hapnies. If, if it came up two heads, you kept money in the pool. Came up ahead and a half. You had a choice of taking half the money or uh, build them up again. Um, we had fragas, glassy alleys, cowboys and Indians, 
uh, bonfires in the quarry. When I say the quarry, now I'm talking about where Patrick Handy Handy buildings are. Yeah, that was a, that was a derelict site there, and um, sure we've been battering stones or one other and. Every day it'd be one or two of us up to the Mercy Hospital to get a station. I was just going to ask you that because Lana O'Connor was talking about that on the news this morning, the amount of kids that get cuts and bruises and the ages that they get hurt most, you know. I'd say back in the day, like, people were, kids were constantly being broken legs, broken ankles, broken noses, bloody noses, the lot, coming home to their mammies. Every young fellow my age that time, we ended up one or two days in the Mercy Hospital getting stitched. We were living, I was born next door to, as we speak now, my house is next door to the Mercy Hospital in Henry Street, where I was born. So you had a short walk then? A short walk. I'm, we, <laughs> I'm we ended up in hiding go see up in the Mercy, talking to nuns. Talking about none of them there, did, did you ever do any talks on the people who used call to the door years ago? I touched on this some years back. You had the bread man, you had the milk man, the insurance man, the rent man, the coal man, the gas man. You name it. The like there was a f- the, the dead the, man. The what? The dead man. That was the insurance man. There the you man go. The dead man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's women all. Tim the fellow fish standing on where I'm living is the the banyan fish yeah yeah but you had the rent man coming and they'd be ducking the rent man and stuff like that and and then there's other great stories I don't know how many people remember for instance that if you brought glass bottles back to the shop they gave you money for them remember that or do people even do we even remember or do we even have glass bottles for milk or you know I think back in the day it would have been Tanora and you know, Lucas had bottles and stuff like that. The kids would bring to the shops and get, I don't know, tuppence or thruppence for a member. Penny and John was in Henry Street. And, uh, you know, we were recycling at the time, but we didn't realise it. <laughs> didn't a clue. <laughs> and, but uh, another thing that was very important in, in the middle palace, no, people had no clocks. You know, watches, you know. No, if you couldn't see, we could see Shandon up from Henry Street. You can't see it now because the apartment's gone up in front of it and all that. But, you judge time in the mornings, but like you'd hear someone banging the door and you'd say, oh, that's uh, Mr. Russell when he's, he's walking down the docks at half or seven. You'd hear the bangers. You might hear someone whistling and that would be the postman. <laughs> and all, you'd look out the window and there was, there was a, a, a building, a cl- Norland's in Devonshire, so it was across the road from where I lived. And if you looked out the window in the morning and saw the, the women standing at the corner, you knew it wasn't half a stage yet. What would they, they be standing at the corner for? Waiting for half a day to go to work. If you looked out and there was land, you knew you were late to school. Do you remember when you got your first watch then? What? <laughs> I do, actually. I do. I do. Yeah, I was married now, didn't that time? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was one guy in Henry Street, he went over to England, he was over there a fortnight, he came back with a twang <laughs> and a watch, and he was walking out into the centre of Henry Street, pull up his sleeve, Looking up at Shannon and pretend to be whining his watch. Just to let us all know that he had a watch. He was the only one here with such a watch. I'd say you weren't long bringing him down to earth, though, huh? But what about confirmations and communions? There was a few bob to be made there, wasn't there? What about you? Yeah. I remember bringing it all into Thompson's at the corner of Pater Street there in St. Peter and Paul's Place. Thompson's had a restaurant there. And I remember bringing it all I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going in there for my breakfast, and my I was fretting going in because um, 
I didn't know what to use a knife and fork. <laughs> was this for your communion, <laughs> was it? Oh, communion, yeah. Well, I was sitting in my mind, I was, you know, I was watching everyone. Wait a second. Well, like, what well, were you using to eat your breakfast or your dinner at home I if you didn't know how to use a knife and fork? My fingers. <laughs> really? Oh, well, yeah, that's the fingers before that thing. <laughs> Not but even a as spoon. A, as a, you couldn't start without a spoon, sure. But um, <laughs> I remember going into, as, you're talking about, as I'm talking about pigeon fires, now when we went to school, we had to go to 10 mass every Sunday morning. And if you didn't go to test the, 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 bro- the brother at the time, he'd pick someone in the class to sit down with him work up to write in the names of the people who weren't present in, at 10 mass. And if you weren't there, you got about 10 slaps. Isn't it amazing? You got slapped yeah, if you didn't go to 10 o'clock mass. You're the last man standing in the church. Oh, that's sad. And I'm the last Catholic standing in the household, and I'm technically not even a Catholic. Technically. And I'm the- I'm the last man standing in my well, I'm the last man standing in my hotel. Did they all desert you? <laughs> I'm the last man standing over to like the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> there was three out of the four. Then it went down to two. And on Sunday night, I found myself all on my own, ticking the Catholic box. I just, but I don't it, know what, is it in my DNA? I just, I just have to no, tick no, it. Has, has not, has not to do with you. <laughs> what has it got to do with then that I would tick the Catholic box, but rarely go to Mass? Well, you see, you did go to Mass and you brought your children to Mass at once, Mass at one stage, I'd say. Yeah. And brought they made their communion and confirmation. I mean, their adults, know, their adults know they must make up their own mind. I know, so, I know. Don't be worrying about them. They're <laughs> a no, I, I'm just wondering why I still tick the box. Um, I, I probably lapsed, you know what I mean? But I suppose it was the way, was it the way I was reared? My grandparents, my yeah. parents being an altar yeah. boy, you know, being interested yeah. in religion. I still, I, I could have easy, just as easily put down no religion. I don't know, I just... It was like as if it was, I was magnetically attracted to the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it was, that's the way it was. Well, listen, Neil, before, before you cut me off, I want to talk to you about, you probably don't, do you remember the oil lamps? No, give me a break, man. You're, you're ancient by comparison to me. Give me a break. No, <laughs> oh, light switches, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Primus, do you remember the Primus? Yeah, if I was if I was away with the scouts, maybe. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, I remember Primus, the Primus had. I remember living in Henry Street in night. In we had this was nineteen forty-eight. What are you asking me like, about nineteen forty-eight for? And I born in the sixties. Get out of town. I just, I just tell you about my story. All right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Go on, <laughs> shut up. I remember when we got in the electricity, and when we got in the gas. And my grandmother was living upstairs, and my mother said to me, whatever you do now, make sure you close the kitchen door, because if your grandmother sees the cat's door, she'll throw us all over the house. <laughs> <laughs> That'll explode, is it? You uh, yeah, and that was an awful, that was a big burden on me at the time, as I was only child, like, and I was afraid in my life my grandmother would throw us out. Your job was probably cutting up the lino in shapes of a shilling piece or something, was it? No, we had a better, we had a better one than that. But I won't, I, I, I won't tell you over the years in case the gas company be looking for dumb money back. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! Yeah, I mean, you talk about you know the the gas and stuff like that. But do you remember your the first television set that arrived in the parish? Oh, I do, I do, I do. Well, actually, it was in my girlfriend's house at the time. It was up in Dreamont, and. Um, you know, all the neighbours, children just being in everything, you, you'd go up to the house and they'd be all sitting down around the front of the, the television looking at the, the side, this thing on the screen. 
the, 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 the test yeah. card, is it? Waiting the for test it to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll be, be convincing yourself that it's moving and changing colour and everything. <laughs> you were being hypnotised <laughs> by the test card. But that would have been very yeah. posh then, a house with a black and white set, would it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you kind of was, and there, there was there was ones then where you had to put um, a sl- uh, two barber half crown That's into the right. slot. Yeah, that's right. That. And most of they the were rented, were weren't they? The televisions they were all rentals from RTV rentals that's and right. Maddens and people like <laughs> Hennessy's and stuff. Yeah, rental. And I remember my father was living with me at the time, and we had a black and white telly. And um, I remember I got a colour television. <laughs> and when he walked into the room and saw the colour television, he said he thought he was in the wrong room. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandmother, my grandmother used to like a little bottle every night and she'd be sitting down the front of the television and the, 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 that time the priest would come on to close down the, the station, right? And the very minute the priest would come on to, on the screen, she'd put down her hand and put the point bottle behind the, the seat that she was sitting <laughs> on. <It's all> right. <laughs> did she think the priest could see the point bottle? She did, she did, she did, she did, I love her, she did, she did. I said that to people now and they, they witnessed the same thing. And so but your um, grandmother, was she born and reared in the marsh? Was she, uh, was she, was she working in the coal care or anything like that? She lived in Vicar Street. Vicar Street, um, yeah. Off of Battle Street. Yeah, yeah. That's where my mother came from. But, um, no, and she only... I tell, Neil, I'll tell you a little story. You know, Vicar Street, I think, was a row of cottages down from Battle Street down onto Dean Street, right? Yeah. And the left hand side went down. And if we were up with my grandmother's, we just go up there every Saturday night because my grandfather, who worked in the gas company actually, and he'd come in, laughed or threw drinks in him, right? Yeah. And there was a half door, there was a half door on the cottage, right? And all the cottages. But he'd come in, he'd take off the half door, put it on the middle of the floor in the in the front room. There was only two rooms, a front room and a and bedroom, and a ladder went up to a loft. That was the, that was the sleeping quarters upstairs. But he'd do a little shadow stance on the... <laughs> Half door. Half door. And we've been there. I mean, we thought it was the funniest thing ever. And they'd be quite serious, like. But, yeah, you know, if you saw a man doing that, no, it's really. Get him but, yeah, but I mean, I know you'd be chatting more about this at half past two in the Bishopstown Library, but you wouldn't want to go back. They were tough times now, weren't they? I wouldn't like to go back there, but it's nice to talk about them and remember them and appreciate what we have today. Yeah, yeah, because you would have had an awful lot of children literally going to school hungry. Would they have got, didn't they get warm milk or a bun or something in school? We got a bun and a, a penny of milk. A penny. From the cup was a penny. Yeah, and yeah. No, I must tell you this, Neil. My first new car, I had one or two bangers, but my first new car, this went back to the 70s. My first brand new car was a ladder, right? A ladder? You couldn't give them away in the 70s? There you are. Listen out to what I'm saying here. And we were talking here one day, you know, myself and my sons and daughters, and I mentioned me. I said I never had a bike when I was growing up. I always had to get the run. I had a messenger by bike. I walked the Muslims as a messenger by. Right. But I remember talking to my children about this now and I said I never owned my own bike but I own my own car now and my eldest fellow says Dad you know everyone owns their own car now I said I appreciate it you don't I said my first new car I said was the ladder and my youngest fellow said he's in his fatties no lady said Dad will I ever forget it he said I used to be ashamed in my life when you was come down to the school to collect me in the ladder <laughs> <laughs> it was hard earned though it was hard earned and there I was, a, a 
throw this punch with me later. You know, when you talk of Cork living in the city, say in the 40s and 50s, was it a much yeah. more beautiful city? Uh, it wasn't really. It no. wasn't. No, no, no. Well, no, when we were young, we didn't. No, we didn't take any notice of these things. Maybe either. you didn't notice the. I mean, was there a lot more no. colour, hustle and bustle, local businesses, characters? When we lived in the Mashboy, we only lived for one thing football on the street and swimming in the Lee. We all learned how to swim. So the Lee was full of sewage, man. That didn't bother us one bit. I'm still talking about it, aren't I? <laughs> After the idea, yeah, no diphtheria, nothing like that, no cholera. <laughs> <laughs> there was everything. You know, that you're going to see, look at all the scarlet fever, carbuncles, all humulins, all that kind of stuff. And mammy, mammies that. back then would just say to the kids, Ah, you'll be grand. Ah, you'll be grand. Be. Have a glass of water, you'll be grand. <laughs> Correct. I, I don't I want to tell you, we all learned how to swim across the road. If you come out the door, look to your left, and there's a ladder there from up over the wall. We all learned how to swim down that ladder. Well, we and I'm telling you now, there was something no the best. We just pushed it to one side and swam away. Oh, God, will you stop? Listen. Just, listen, we swam. We used to go to the Inniscala Cemetery and Messenger Boys Boys. We swam out there. We swam at the hell hole by the Angus Rest. You come in further, and we, there was a place on the Lee Beach known as the Sandy Beach. Yeah. There's a foot there that people swim every day of the year. Then we would we had to wear the pipe. We used to jump off a shaky bridge. Did, you not get, did anybody not get drowned? Never. I'll be down. Never. I'll be down. <laughs> Listen, good luck today. Good luck today. Well, you? you're, you're standing up at half two in the Bishoptown Library for those stories and lots more besides, I hear. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just as you're on about it, no, Neil, I'm giving a talk in the community centre in Turner's Cross tomorrow evening at half a seven. Uh, right across the road from the funeral home there, Sullivan's funeral home. Fair play to you, boy. Fair play to you. Stay fit and, and healthy, seven, Liam, will you? The history of Turner's Cross, all Fair right? Play. Stay Good fit and healthy. It's great chatting with you. Okay, then I'll talk to you again, bye. Cheers, pal. Cork historian Liam O'Higgin. Today, if you have uh, a spare hour or two, half past two in the Bishopstown Library and tomorrow evening in Turner's Cross. We're back after 11. Share your own stories. Text 0868104106. Hope you enjoy that. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Rory was just chatting about golf there in Tiger Woods and what have you I was down in Waterville I happened to be inside in the, the golf club having a bit of food down there at the weekend and I met Liam O'Higgin uh, sorry what am I talking about Liam Higgins I was just talking to Liam O'Higgin I don't know Rory might be interested in this Liam Higgins the golf pro down in uh, do you know him did you ever hear of him Liam Higgins the golf pro He's down in Waterville, but he played uh, professional tennis on the circuit for years and years. And he's nearly 80 years old. He looks about 55. Fittest looking guy. What a story he was telling me, Liam Higgins, the golf pro. I think for many years, many, many, many years, he had the longest drive in the world. I mean, this guy drove the length of Baldonnell Aerodrome. He would drive a ball off the tee 500 and 600 yards. He was an incredibly long driver and probably still is. But he played golf with five American presidents. And back in the day, he was telling me stories about playing golf with the likes of Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Victor Mature, all of the Hollywood greats for decades and decades and decades. The most incredible man. And an, oh, just an unbelievable story about his life 
Liam Higgins, the golf pro, he's still down there, he's golf pro in, in Waterville in the golf links. But I asked him, who was, in your opinion, the greatest golfer you ever saw of all time? And he said, without hesitation, he said to me, and even stop for a breath, he said, the greatest I've ever seen in my life was Jimmy Bruin. Now, I know little enough about Jimmy Bruin, apart from the fact that he was a Cork golfer, he was a Cork pro, and apparently fantastic. But of all of the golfers, and he played with all of them, Arnold Palmer and Lee Trevino and Seve Ballesteros and Jack Nicklaus, he played with them all, he said. Jimmy Bruin, he said. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Great conversation with him. There's a book in that guy, there really and truly is. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neve. Ah, so we're chatting there about Limo Higgin through Rose Tinted Glass. I thought he was very honest there when I asked him, was Cork a more beautiful city back in the 40s and 50s? And he said no. And he was very honest about it, in fairness to him. Sometimes we look through Rose Tinted Glasses. But what have you got for me? Um, I suppose when I... I didn't grow up in the marsh where he grew up. Like, I grew up in Grown. But um, we used to get into the city very often. Yeah, but your parents um, would have moved to Grand from the city, I'd say. My mother would have been from um, Blarney Street. Yeah. My father, my father was from John Street. Well, there so, you go. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. so we'd go that direction on a Sunday, I suppose, so don't to see the Nana, and that was it, you know. And did you then, find that your mum and dad were always drawn back to John Street and always drawn back to the city and the suburbs? Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't know, really. Like, as I said, like, we would go to John Street once. My father would go up and down there uh, fairly often, whatever. But as for me, like, it, I just don't remember so much about... Like, as I said, we was only going to the city at Christmas. Go away, is that ourselves. all? Yeah? That's all, really? yeah, because um, if you were brought into the city, like, they couldn't afford to buy what you wanted. You know, that's sort of way... The big eyes of a child be too much temptation and distraction. Oh, Jesus, no. yeah, 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 you'd see too much. But I was just saying, there, I remember, um, I was just saying, does anybody remember the ragman when he would come round to our area in a van? looking for old clothes that you don't want no more. No that we give out in a, in a yellow bag. And if you had any kind of things, you know, rags, he'd give you a balloon. He might give you bubbles. He might give you whatever. But if you had woolens, you get a watch. A watch? A watch with elastic strap on it. And God only knows there would be a wrong face and a square face. And um, you say, oh, I'll give you the wrong face there, no, and he'd give you the watch. Well, like, Jesus, you go wrong for a whole month. As long as the, la- the watch would last, you go wrong with no sleeves. <laughs> Wouldn't you showing it off, is it? Showing it off. Ask me the time. Ask me the time. No, I know the time you'd be now with the watch. Oh, my God. Oh, would the watch oh, not my... last very long before it would break or fall apart or something? Uh, well, you'd look after it, you know, well. Whatever, no one else, there's no one else to go, no one else's hand, only yours. And I'm wondering, what would and the ragman do with all of the cl- old clothes from the houses, is it? Yes, yes. But I remember one time when I made my first communion and I wanted a watch. And I was coming home from school and I met him halfway down the road. I had my first communion course on me, of course, and sure, I gave him the call for the watch. Oh my God, there and must have been trouble over that. There was murder. My mother and he was to worse to take it off you, to be honest with you. He was brand new coat. My mother had to go back to, at the time the rag stores was down in Cornmarket Street and my mother had to go down there and get the coat back off of him. 
<laughs> what would they do and, with uh, all of the rags, I wonder? Like you say rags, what? but they were they were old clothes. They were old clothes, but he was known as the ragman. He'd have um, he'd have a balloon on his van, so we'd have the ragman is around now, and we'd be all out. Jesus, have you? That's why I'd say the best of clothes went out to him just to get a wash or a balloon or maybe bubbles or maybe a small jigsaw or something like that. But, I mean, that was novelty for us in those days. I know, I then know. I, I was know. Then, I remember my first watch then for my confirmation. I don't know what it be advertising on the sun, some Sunday paper. No, I don't know if it was a Sunday. I'm not quite sure. But my father bought me a watch in Doré's in Dublin. They were advertising them on the paper for so much, you know, whatever. I don't know if it's a higher purchase now or what. You know, buy no pay later. But Jesus, that watch was gold to me. Gold to me. Did it last long? Oh, I did. I'd say I had it for quite a while until I suppose I got a better one. But anyway, it suited me fine. What what games did you play as a child? Because he was talking about Thunder Up the Alley and Pitch and Toss and uh, Runaway Knock and Ultra Tree, the book is red and stuff. And glassy alleys and rounders and um, uh, we'd have two balls hopping them off the wall and singing our rhymes. And we'd be playing with a skipping rope across one side of the road to the other and all in together, never mind the weather. Ash and Jesus, we had great fun, we had great fun. We, sat, we, we used to go up to the River Lee then for our swimming and um, our heads went to the bath, the outdoor bath, yeah. up the Cardigan Road. Yeah. And... Um, and I tell you, you know, we used to walk from there, from Grown, all the way up to that, back, and back home again. And you, you Wasn't that some walk, though? Wasn't it? And you might have a pram with your small baby brother or sister inside, and you'd have to push that up Strawberry Hill and another hill as well. You'll be wrecked, and you'll get in home, and I'm tired, of you'll be grand, you can go again tomorrow. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Like kids would be gone. Kids would be gone all day, a hundred percent safe, not a bother. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And then we'd go out to fields picking blackberries, so we'd be gone for the day. No one, there was no grown ups with us. We just minded each other. I know. You I know, just, I, I just wonder before I let you go, because you would have been too young to remember. But like, I, I often wonder about like your, the likes of your mother or your father or the grandparents who would have lived in very tight knit communities in the city, maybe down a lane or an alleyway. You know, they knew all of their neighbours and everybody was in and out of all each other's houses. Yeah. And then yeah. they moved to housing estates up in the top of Knocknaheeny and Gron, which was almost like the country. Did they adapt and did they miss the city? Were they lonely up there, you know? Well, I remember my mother talking that she grew up in Broad Lane. Broad Lane is a typical example, yeah. Whatever that was, I don't know. But, um, Broad Lane, Broad Lane, with the, off the North Main Street, no? Somewhere or Blackpool, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, go on. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, and there was a lane. Like, she grew up in a lane, and she, there was only just, like, a footpath across to the other person That's at the all. other side of the yeah. lane. Yeah. And, you know, like, they had half doors or something. Yeah. And, you know, they, everyone was, every like, no matter what happened, everybody knew it. And they were all, um, you know, of what I could hear her talking about, they were all... They were like all one big happy family. One big family. And I wonder how did she feel then when she was up, say, the top of Grawn with her own house, a flush toilet and a front and a back garden and um, silence. She probably thought she was in Buckingham Palace. Really? She'd have been happy with that? Yeah. She was quite happy with it because, you see, 
they would have running water, they would have had a toilet. Yeah. Well, where is that? In Broad Lane, maybe there was someone up above her and they all shared the same toilet and I there know. was no, yeah, yeah. no sinks or anything or yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. You know, because I remember my, in my granny's place down in John Street, they just had a toilet in the hallway and they used to have a dish right inside the door in the sitting room where that's where they all just... And then all, all of a sudden, instead of, um, instead of an old, um, you know, metal drum or an old, you know basin they had a twin tub to do the washing and the drying and everything in the kitchen yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of a sudden everything yeah. was built in must have been a huge I change i remember we got our first twin tub jesus christ we thought we had a bionic machine in the, and i remember the first television 1964 <laughs> and you had to get this blue paper to put down over the television because jesus that was that would wreck your eyes, radiation or whatever, <laughs> the blue paper. Oh my God, I never forget. No matter what, what, what was it, um, Bat Masterson used to be on it. Oh, they wanted to get the best seat for Bat Masterson. Happy days, happy days. Oh, great those were great times. You know, uh, things were, the things were, were, I suppose they were tight, but they were happy days. You know, they were great. Like, and you know what? We can go back and talk about them now. And remember, Ashley Jesus, when I was young, like this, that. But I don't know. I, I do think we hadn't much, but we have more than what they have today. Because oh, but have I think that's much. the way you always want. You think too much now? Yeah, too much, too much, too much. A doctor? Jesus, we never saw a doctor. If you weren't feeling well, a cup of hot milk, now would drop a pep, bit of pepper, and that would have been in that out. <laughs> You know, you, you couldn't say you were sick because you miss out on the fun tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Time. We hadn't time to be sick. The whole summer was spent catching bees. You know, or we used to give the wedges the dogs, like, because we keep them in the gym for ages. That's right. But That's we right. let the bees off. But, I mean, that was our summer holidays. There was no Spain or whatever, whatever. No, it was just... I mean, you would have got a train to y'all from time to time, surely. Oh, we used to go August weekend to y'all. Jesus, we'd be saving from one year to the other, August, Sunday. And they'd go down to the, to the station, and my me, me mother would say, keep going now, keep going. Should we thought I'd get on for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. All right, listen, great to uh, chat with you, Eileen. Thanks for sharing. Cheers. Uh, Take care. Bye, Keep those bye, stories bye. coming, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Yes, indeed. Red FM. I'll come back to these stories and texts, so keep them coming, text 0868104106. But I had wanted to chat yesterday with uh, with Ronan, and I just didn't get around to it at the time. I was telling you a story yesterday morning of Ronan O'Healy, uh, who uh, is above in Galway, I think, and decided to spend his, uh, his Saturday morning, imagine, got up and decided, this would be a good idea. Travel around as many supermax as I can, eating cheeseburgers. He joins me by phone. Ronan, good morning. Oh, you know, what's the crack? Was that the general idea, was it? Uh, it was. So, it wasn't every supermax, it was every plaza. As so many as you could, anyway. Every plaza, right. Plaza, yeah. So, it, it, this was specifically for the plaza groups. So, there's eight in total. Um, so, I live I live in Dublin. I'm from Banasso and Galway, but I live in Dublin. So, I left Dublin... Uh, Nine o'clock in the morning. Well, first of all, but first up, why Supermax? Why not Burger King or uh, McDonald's? Why Supermax? Supermax. Yeah. Supermax is the ultimate. Like, there's no other fast food um, premises like in the country. Like, McDonald's is in bits. 
every other thing is in bits. Supermax is the ultimate. I know people down in Cork, I'm not sure if he have the same grow for as we do up in the West. Like No, I, I actually have a friend and she's from Galway and is constantly going on about Supermax. Um, ah, constantly. Dead right. Dead right. Dead right. I can never understand what sets it apart, though. Well, there's a few things. Um, one of it is, is the staff, right? The staff in Supermax, they make the experience. Like, you come in, you say hello. They're there. They're, they're welcoming you. They're, they're smiling. They're happy. Like, if you go into McDonald's, there's no staff. You order off, off a screen, you know? There's no, <laughs> there's no bit of communication there, you know? That, 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 that's part of it. Then the burgers itself, like, they're juicy. The bun, it's fresh. There's a bit of a bounce to it. The onions, the sauce, it, it's there. Look, it's an experience. Is this, what is this, like the cheeseburger? Or is it a, like, what, do they have an equivalent to a quarter pounder with cheese or what? So I did the, on Saturday was the cheeseburger specifically. It was, so it was eight cheeseburgers, but my, my favourite is, will be the five ounce. The five ounce, I'm a bit of a five ounce fanatic myself, but <laughs> you can also get the, uh, like the chicken breast sandwich meal, like that's very popular as well. But for Saturday's quest, it was just the cheeseburger. So eight cheeseburgers, eight platters. And how did you get on? Did you, like, you, you, the plaza, is that a drive through or what? No, no, no. So, it's, yeah, it's on, it's, they're, 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 they're mainly on motorways. So, um, I got on great, yeah. So, I started off in uh, Kinnegad. Kinnegad was good. Then went down to Kinnegad to Port Leash. Port Leash to um, Tipperary Town. <laughs> Tipperary Town to Barack Obama Plaza. Then Barack down to Mallow in Cork. Then from Mallow went up to Tum, then Tum to Charleston Mayo, and then finish line was back in the Gaul Plaza. That's the entire country in a in a, in a clockwise direction. Yeah, so I, I think I think it was eight hundred kilometers altogether. I made bits of the route there. I was meant to go from I was meant to go from uh, Port Leash to Moneygaw, but I went from Port Leash to Tipperary, and that that took me back maybe an hour and a half. But you are uh, aware so, of the price of petrol at the moment, are you? Ah, look, I'm driving a golf. The golf are solid, like, you know. I actually made a, I actually, I, I won't tell you how much it costs, but uh, look, I was very happy with uh, the fuel consumption. If anyone wants a car that, uh, that, 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 that serves you well for diesel, it's the golf. Did you get around on one fill of juice, like? I did, so right. I started the day and I maybe had just less than half a tank. I put 60 quid into it and that, that lasted me up. I went back to Dublin on, uh, what day was it, Sunday. And I filled it up again there. So look, it's uh, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by uh. There's fierce mileage in them golfs. Okay, so uh, in, in uh, each in each of the eight plazas, did you have chips with them? No, 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 no. So that was that was that was part of of the of the rating, right? So I broke it down. I don't know if you want me to go into how how I rated them. Well, or, I, well, um, I know that you weren't all that kind to Mallow. I know that much. Look, look, Mallow, Mallow. Uh, I have nothing against Mallow. Mallow, I think, just had an off day. Mallow had an off day. And they were coming on the back of a... I was coming from Barack Obama, and Barack Obama really smashed it. Like, they got a 9.4. So it was going to be... Like, Mallow, it, they were kind of... They were kind of... They were tuning it down already before we started, like, so... Um, so you gave 9.4 to Barack Obama and Tipperary. What did you give Mallow? Mallow, I think, came out with a 4.8. Oh, for God's sake, man. That's half the score. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I call it as a seat. Like, I have no... Nothing against Mallow people or Mallow burgers or like that. What was so bad about it that it got a four point something? Come on. Right. Look, right. So first of all, I went in and it was packed. It was great to see that it was packed now, but it, it was like it was chaotic. You know, you know, you know what I've seen in, in a supermax after, let's say, a disco back when you were 16, you come into, you come into a supermax at two o'clock in the morning. It was kind of like that. It was kind of just, just mental. 
So I couldn't, I, I knew straight away I couldn't sit down. So I got the burger, went out to the car, put, put the burger in the car, and then I was tipping off to, tipping off to tunes. I'd get a coffee, went back to get a coffee, happened to leave my keys down, and went back to the car, realized no keys, and then went back in, saw some fella with my keys, circled around him, and uh, he was making tracks for the car. Uh, so I look at it and just, kind of just get, let, let it roar them and yeah, that was got the keys back. But the burger itself, it was just the best way to describe it was just flat. There was no flat. more. Do you want to know why it was flat? Because you left it sitting in the fucking car for about 15 minutes, I'd say. No, yes, so, wait a minute. You've lost so. your keys, you met some fella, you were in and out. You're supposed to eat them fresh straight away. Look, there's, there's, a, rule, there's a rule of thumb for eating cheeseburgers. As long as you consume them within 7.5 minutes, they're as good as new. And I definitely, yeah, I definitely got them within that time limit. So, did you take pictures of each of the cheeseburgers? So, I, uh, I, I videoed the whole thing. Um, I, I, yeah, so, so the whole thing was just videoed throughout the day. So, there was no pictures. Uh, I didn't take any still photos, but there was um, the videos throughout it all. And if you looked at the videos, it's actually on my Instagram page, Rate My Supermax. Uh, I'm the Supermax advisor. So if you want to eat my Instagram page, you'll see it's in the highlights, the cheeseburger tour, so you can, you can re-watch the whole day. But and, was uh, one plaza not tipping off the next plaza that um, that Ronan, the Supermac advisor, is heading to town, no? Yeah, they, they got wind of it, and a lot of people were like, a lot of people were following on, on the day, so like when I got to Galway at the end, like they had posters out, and um, Pat McDonough was there, Pat McDonough was there waiting for me, so uh, that was great, it's great to meet, meet the king himself and have a chat about, about life and burgers with him. What, what's in what's in the Supermax cheeseburger besides a five ounce patty and a piece of cheese? No, no. So, so the five ounce patty that the five ounce burger is a separate burger. The cheeseburger itself just has the bun, the cheese, um, the onions, and burger sauce. So it's it's, it's it's a very simplistic burger, but to in order to to maximise it, it's, it's true potential that has to be cooked to perfection. <laughs> All right. Did you eat all eight of them? Like, were you not fed up with them by halfway through? I'm an absolute, I'm an absolute animal. Like, that's absolutely no bother to me. Because yeah, there's not a pick on you, like. No, I wish, look, work hard, play hard. I'm in the gym every day, like, so <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I can do, like. I don't know what it is about Galway and Supermax. I guess it's because Supermax are originally from Galway. Absolutely. Well, but yeah, so Banlasloe is where I'm from. That is the home of Supermax. We have, we have the best Supermax in Ireland. It's called the Mecca. It's on Main Street there. I mean, if you ever want a dining experience, you need to get yourself to the Mecca. Uh, it will absolutely blow you away. Okay, so what did you give the Ballon a slow Supermax if you gave Barack Obama 9.4? Because I didn't rate the Ballon slow Supermax because the Ballon slow Supermax isn't the plaza, but I rated the Gawler Plaza. That's just that's on the Morris outside of Ray. That got a 9.9. So <laughs> that was just unbelievable. I mean, the, 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 the fellow who made a burger... Uh, he got in touch with me. His name is Keen. He is. He needs to know. He needs to be known as the king of burgers from now on. He needs to be. He walks Ireland from now on. He's the king of burgers. He reached out to you to say thanks. Is it? He did. Yeah. He said thanks for the day. It was great following us. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I want to say thanks to Keen. Keen made the burger. So Keen, it's all. I, I want to say thanks to you. You're mental. Do you know that, Ronan? You're mental. I said, look. Do, do you have any? Do you have any traditional chippers in Galway like we have down here in Cork? Wonderful chippers, um, where they would never serve you a frozen chip. Uh, I'm not interested in any chippers. The only, my only chipper is the Supermax. I couldn't do that. I not only, not I only technically a chipper, though, Ronan. Forgive me for having to point out the difference to you, you know? 
Is it fast yeah, food and there's chippers? The chippers are good, Jan. Like the chippers, the, the, the chipper chips are good. I, I'll give you that. But um, <laughs> no, I still Supermax is. Uh, if I want, if I want a bit of food and a go, Supermax. Supermax for me. There's, actually, there's a Morelli's. Morelli's in, in Ballinasloe is a good chipper. If anyone's around Ballinasloe, pop into Morelli's. <laughs> is Ballinasloe worth the visit? Is it? Oh well, I don't know. I don't. I haven't. I haven't lived there now in a few years. But uh, okay. town is great. Town is great. It's full of great people, and great characters. So yeah, if anyone wants to. Send their, their summer vacation in Banlitzville. Uh, make sure to make sure to drop by. All right. Well, give me advance notice of your next trick or your next trip trick or trip I, trip. Will you? I will. I'll be I'll be back down to Mallow again soon to review. Oh, all right. A, a to see if they can get up from like, the four point. What was it? Four point eight. Okay. So you'd be playing another sneak visit to see if they can improve on a four point eight. That's exactly. It. No, I've big plans out here with I'd say your man, the boss man of um, uh, of the whole establishment also played Mallow a visit, did he? Yeah, I don't know what he is. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, but look, that's what it's that's what first. McDonough would be on the warpath. <laughs> that's it, yeah. No, but I, look, it's all a bit of crack at the end of the day, like so. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, listen, great to catch up with you eventually. Appreciate you taking the you. call. Cheers, my man. Thanks a lot. A Supermax super fan back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Just picking up on yesterday where we were chatting with people who climbed for Charlie and many of them were telling stories on air of their own experience with a loved one with motor neuron disease. And I mentioned during the conversations that uh, Cora O'Grady Beautiful, beautiful 51 Mitchellstown lady also climbed for Charlie at the weekend, climbed the Galtimore and sadly passed away. It's absolutely heartbreaking for her family and her friends and everybody was in shock in the greater Mitchellstown area. We were all moved by it. It was very, very sad because, of course, she was doing it to be part of the climb for Charlie and was climbing with her with her children at the time. It's just so sad. Good friend of hers is Ailish. Ailish, good morning. I'm grand, and you describe her as a beautiful friend and solo, devoted single mother. Um, it's just so tragic that someone so young and so seemingly fit and healthy would just die on the mountain. Yeah, to be honest, um, th- this phone call today is the last thing in the wide earthly world I thought I'd be on. I know. Or setting up a GoFundMe page for her two beautiful children, Luke and Lily, last night. I, it's just, it's even hard to believe. Even seeing the headlines on the papers yesterday, seeing her name, seeing her photo, it's, it's kind of like a dream, to be honest. Um, hey, and lifelong friends from childhood, or how did, how did you guys meet up and team up? I would have always known her here in Mitchellstown. She was, I'm not sure, was it a year or two ahead of me in school? But then in the last, I suppose, seven years, our daughters were in preschool and up along now to second class together. And they were great friends. And Cora and me got back in touch and we just had a great friendship and great days out. Great crap. Oh, I know, you miss fortune. We had a good time, the two girls and Luke with great days out. And Cora was just an extraordinary mother. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She was like... She was just there 24-7. And everything she did, I can still hear her saying, my lads. Everything was for my lads. For Lukey and Liz. I can hear her saying it now. No matter what she did, they were always on her mind. She didn't have much, but she gave them everything. Because 
another thing she always says, bricks and mortar doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. Just being there for them, loving them, well, what I know, she sounds just you know, a wonderful outlook on life, but life can be so cruel, yeah. you know? It's just, like, she started, obviously the whole of Ireland knows about Charlie Bird, yeah. and we were all touched by that desperate. Was she chatting with you about that, saying, I'm going to climb oh, the Galtimore? Yeah, yeah. And, and a local, our Mitchellstown Camogie Football Club here in Mitchellstown, they had started a walk on Tuesday nights. So Cora had got on to me, come on, we'll go doing it. Then the climb with Charlie event came along, and now there was no way I was doing it. And it was now for me to walk in the flat footpath to Mitchellstown. Yeah. I wasn't going up the Gelty, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But she rounded up two more of our friends and some of her cousins, and she is walking. She even stopped driving Luke and Lily's school in the morning. She was walking. I'd be going into work, and I'd wave at them on their way to school. One of the la- I was looking back over all our messages and one of the last WhatsApp messages was um, last week talking about the beautiful weather and um, it would lift your spirits and sure, I'm walking mad for Charlie. God that almighty. the last messages. I met her at football. We were picking up our girls last Monday night and I even thought to myself when I saw her, my God, you look fantastic. Mm. You could see she was shining from all the walking, the fitness, the fresh air. Mm. She was just, she was really excited about doing this and getting to the top of the Galtys and bringing Luke and Lily with her. It was their family day out. It just... The poor kids, because they were walking, she collapsed and they were walking the mountain with her at the time. Yes. Their last memory was a happy day going out with their mother and her friends and some of their own friends and their cousins, and their last memory, sadly, is CPR being performed on the side of the Galtee Mountains on their adored mother. And they had to be taken down from that scene and be told that she has passed away. And just to add, as if it's not tragic enough, just to add to it, um, Cora's removal is... Wednesday, but her burial isn't until Friday because Luke is 12 on Thursday. Oh my God. So they're just trying to give, I suppose, some bit of happiness to his day. I know, I know. And, I know. As, and Lily. What's Luke? Luke's 11, daughter, isn't he? Luke's 11 and Lily's 8. 12 on Thursday. 12 on Lily's Thursday. Lily's 8, the same as my own daughter Sarah, and they're both getting their communion on the 21st of May. And, no, and no, you know something, wouldn't Cora have been up to 90 about the birthday and she'd have been up to 90 about the communion as well as the climb and everything else? She had so much gone, so much going yes. on. I went out to that house on Sunday morning and the first thing I saw was, which again was totally Cora. She was very crafty. She was always doing things and making things. The first thing I saw, she had two, you know, the little box pans at the front door. And Box pams. My, you know the little trees? The yeah. Little, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, a little shrub. Yeah, first thing that caught my eye was she had all the little plastic coloured Easter eggs hanging on the trees. And I just thought, my God, like, that's Cora. Went into the house. What was she building in the corner of the, of the sitting room for the communion? A bear. Out of an old chest of drawers, 
covered with material. She had all, she had it decorated. She had plastic glasses for the mocktails, for the communion. She was in the process of doing that. Sounds to me that you're describing a woman who lived for her children and made do and did the best she could with what she had. 100%. And when I say lived for them, like, for instance, I, she had the pleasure and her children had the privilege of having a mother who dropped them to school every day, picked them up every day. They weren't used to a childminder or maybe like my own daughter going to after school. It was Cora 24-7, Monday to Saturday, January to December, from the day they were born. So that's why I suppose I walked on to Sunday morning and you could almost feel the numbness of the town and everyone I met they knew I knew her and they knew we were friends what can we do can anyone do anything and I know Lord people said there needs to be a GoFundMe is there a GoFundMe so obviously the other girl that's doing this with me is Caroline Murphy yeah she was on the mountain with Cora go away so um we couldn't, of course, set up a good family without, you know, getting it okay with her family and everything. I know. And as well, it's, it's I have never set up a GoFundMe, and I most definitely would never have wanted to be doing it in these circumstances. And you're also dealing with money, and so it's all, it's done now, and it's out there. And like, as I said, everyone wants to do something, everyone in the community and everyone knew about the Climate Charity event. That's right. And you know what? I know there were many condolences to Cora and her children and her family and her friends like you. And amongst them, of course, was Charlie Bird himself, who was very upset at the, at the news. Very upset. Oh, sure, I know. Like, I mean, think of all the thousands of people who partook in that event on Saturday. But 51's no age, like. You might no. say something if it was twice that. No, she was the picture. She was glowing. She was fabulous. I know. I know. Walking for weeks. Like, to think that she was the one that didn't come home and to leave two children who were devoted to her. It's hard to behind. make sense of the world when you hear of a tragedy like this. You, how do you process it as a, as a close friend of hers, the cruelty and of like, life? You just couldn't. You'd wonder, like... Two small children left behind. Everything. Yeah. As I said to someone yesterday... You see the likes of Putin and what he's doing. And, and still, if there was a God there, he takes a mother of two children. I know, sure, I know. I know. So I you, know, couldn't, um, you couldn't make that right in your head, to be honest. So, I mean, that's how the GoFundMe came about. For, that's for Luke and for Lily, isn't it? It's for Luke and for Lily. It's for no one else. It's for them. To give them nothing can fix what's after happening. And nothing anyone can do will make it better or make it right. But at least if people want to help, this is how we can help. I know. At least have a fund there because they don't have their mother anymore. I know. But at least make things a bit easy. There won't be much joy. Is it a communion or confirmation, did you say? Lily is getting her communion on the 21st of May. And of course, and of course... um there's a birthday, is it on Thursday, is it, did you say? Yeah, so For Luke. the way they've done the funeral arrangement, because a lot of people were asking why was there 
a day in between. Because of Luke's birthday. The removal is Wednesday, the burial is Friday, but they had to leave Thursday free because it's Luke's 12th birthday. And no doubt she had presents for him. No doubt she did. Oh, yes. Knowing Cora, everything was done. Everything. Yeah. It's absolutely tragic. You be- that's a beautiful tribute to pay you paid to her. Sadly that you had to do it at all, you know, that you'd be taken so young and leaving two beautiful children who must be absolutely heartbroken at the loss of their mammy. Um, but people are good and people are kind and people are generous. And I know that yeah. there's nearly 15 grand already. You've a, you've a target know, it's of... It's unbelievable. Yeah. You've a, like, I was about three hours last night trying to set up this. I've never done right. it before. And I know. You did a great job. And, for, you know, listen, in tribute to your friend, she, you should be very... She'd be very proud of you, you know. I know it's an awful thing to, to do at all. Who'd have thought this time last week you'd be having a conversation like this, you know? Not in a million years. Not in a million years. No, not well, in your wildest dreams. Well, I know Mitchellstown's a very close-knit community and everybody's in shock, but hopefully the generosity of people will secure uh, the future, or at least the immediate yes. future for Lily and for Luke. Um, yes. And I'd encourage people, the GoFundMe is called for Lily for and Luke for and Luke and Lily. and Lily, isn't it? For Luke and Lily, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Let yeah. people let people give what they can. Yeah. Okay, Eilish. Listen, thank you yeah. for stopping by this morning. I know it wasn't easy for you. I do appreciate you coming on air. No problem, Neil. And just like if anyone, if you have anything, if you can spare a five or a tin or just imagine all those fibers and tinners adding up all over County Cork, all over Munster. I hear you. It would all make a difference. Okay. And it's for Luke and Lily. An eight and an 11-year-old. I know, I know. And we're posting it now and sharing it on Twitter and also on Facebook, all the details about the GoFundMe. Thanks for taking the call, Elish. Cheers. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you you for coming on. It's not an easy thing. Thank Thank you. you. The lovely Cora, who passed away, Cora O'Grady, walking on the Galtie Moor as part of the Climb for Charlie at the weekend at the age of 51. So that GoFundMe, as I say, is simply called For Luke and Lily. And as uh, Ashling, as Ailish just said there very correctly, give what you can. There's a small family there and she was rearing them as a solo mum. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. All right. Red FM. Okay, um, very sad. Uh, in other news this morning, Paddy. Hello. Is, hey, that, Rus- is, is that Russian ship due today? Yeah, that's uh, that's what we think. And you know, it's supposed it's in the harbour, Neil, since uh, Saturday. Okay, it's the, it, it's the Yartsev, isn't it? The Yartsev. Is it off Whitegate or something since Saturday? It's, uh, yeah, it's off Whitegate since Saturday, Neil. And uh, it was supposed to come up on Saturday night, but it didn't. But what we uh, what we're thinking now is well, what they're saying it's coming in today or something. Because I'm trying to find it there on, you know, do you, have you got that Vessel Tracker app, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, but I, I wouldn't be great at that sort of thing, Neil, so yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't find it again. Yeah, I'm just, I'm only, I'm only just looking at it now, see if I can see it. There's a, there's a few knocking around the harbour, but I don't see that one unless it's got a different name or something, you know. Did you put up, um, did you put up a sign down there saying not welcome? Oh, I did, yeah, Neil, I put up a sign there on Saturday, you know, I just felt, you know, like, we're supposed to be the rebel county, and like everyone, everywhere else, that like, the, like, say, the Dublin port where ships went in there, the dockers up there refused to handle them, you know? And I said, this boat is coming into Cork Harbour, and there's, they don't seem to be anyone kind of worried about it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And did they leave, what does the sign say? 
I Neil, I tell you now, the sign. I that's one thing I want to say. The sign was there was a bit of language on the sign, and the reason that was on the sign was, do you remember when the war started, Neil? Uh, there was thirteen uh, Ukrainian soldiers on an island off the the Crimean the Crimean coast. Right. And uh, the Russian corvette uh, contacted them to tell them lay down their arms. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I am listening to yeah. you. I'm just, I, I'm just yeah. tracking it at the same time. Go on. Yeah, yeah. They, they asked them to. They told them to lay down their arms, but they, the soldiers, uh, radioed back and they said, "Russian corvette, go f yourself." All right. Okay. 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 And, so. and I, I, that's what I, I just had a Russian ship go f yourself. Okay. So it's it's just off Roach's point. And there seems to be a, no- a naval corvette near it. Are you, did you hear anything of that? I'm just looking at the app here. It seems to be off Roach's Point. Yeah, well, it was, uh, I know they said it was anchored off Whitegate on Saturday. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but uh, and then, like, it was kind of a bit funny that it was supposed to come in on Saturday night, and it didn't. But uh, I don't know. But uh, there's a dock and passage at the minute, or there's a ship and passage at the minute, and that's uh, that's loading timber as well, which the Russian boat is supposed to be bringing in timber. So whether they're making room for that or what, I don't know. Okay, because the Port of Cork told me they have no control of it. There's no embargo of imports into Ireland from Russia. They can't control it, and they're bringing a cargo that's already been paid for. Ah, yeah, but uh, you know what I mean? It's it's happening in Dublin Port where there's cargoes coming in. But me, let's be honest, they're representing the, the Russian government. And they've Russian got a Russian flag. flag. A Russian flag flying off the stern of her. Will you go, like the, will, are you going to go to Passage or what are you going to do? Well, I live in Passage. Yeah. But uh, I, Neil, another, uh, I, I was going down through Monkstown this morning and the sign was up with the flag... My daughter sent on a sent a, a snap of what we had because one of your researchers there asked me yeah. if I had a picture of it, and I did, and they sent it on to you, but he got it or not? No, I don't know. Don't know if the lads got it. They certainly didn't send it to me. A photograph of the sign. No, they're saying yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to arrange it, but Neil, the the thing now this morning was. Uh, I was on to your researcher, but I got they took a phone it down call. because of the F word, I suppose. Do they? Ah, but I know, and they like uh, effort and offended them. Look what they're doing, you know what I mean? That's I don't right. think they have any, any, you know. Uh, I, well, I'll be honest with you, Neil, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'd be very disappointed with the local response to all this, like politicians and all. You know what I mean? They all seem to... Very quiet, yeah. Very quiet. Very quiet, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they'd be afraid they'd be offending the voters, I'd say. All right, let's see what the, day, what let's see what the day brings, all right? But listen, fair play to you for standing with the courage of your convictions, in fairness to you. Oh, but certainly, like, uh, as I say, where Passage West has a, you know, uh, has a good name as, re- as regards Republicans yeah. that came out of our town. And, like, I think a lot of these fellas are turning their graves today if they thought that there was nothing being done about it. It's, you know? Yeah, when you bear in mind what's happening in Ukraine to innocent people. Correct. Oh, well done, Paddy. Well done. Well done, boy. Well done. All right. Well done. All right Cheers, Thanks. pal. Take care, yourself. All bye. the best. Bye. 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 If this is your Red FM first dance song, call us to be one step closer to winning the ultimate 15K wedding prize on 0818 104 106.
Claire. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you perfectly, yeah. Oh, fair play to you. The real thing, you to me are everything. That is really a great wedding song. You picked that nominating uh, your sister Bridget, is it? That's right. And her boyfriend, uh, Jamie. And when are they getting married? I'm in July. July 2024. Okay. And they're going out a long time, I'm told, are they? They are. They are about 11 years now, Neil, about 11 years. So 11 years together, six years engaged, yeah. tying the knot next year. Well done. Good choice of song. Fair play. You must yeah. have got a fright when you heard it being played, did you? I did. I jumped, <laughs> to be honest. I'm trying all week for them. I'm trying all, all right. week. Are you going to be a bridesmaid? Yeah. I don't know now yet, ah, for God's sake. Now. I should be, though, I'd say. I'd should say there be, there'd be right. absolute murder if you got ignored. I wouldn't be ignored. No, no, it's going to be a big no, day. No, no. All right, well, listen, the deal here is 15,000 euro, five grand to get suited and booted for Jamie at Best Men's Wear, five grand for the wedding dress at Cinderella's Closet for uh, your sister Bridget, and five grand then to be spent in Michelle the Jewellers on all of the bling and jewellery. It's a great prize. It is. It's absolutely fabulous. It's amazing, praise. All right, well, Love listen, you, you go and share the news with her. She's one step closer to winning it, all right? Brilliant. Thank you so much. All Thank the best. So Cheers. Take, Take care. care. Is, where is, is that an overseas wedding or anything? It's not one of the. I'm allergic. No, I'm no, allergic no. to overseas weddings. Are you? No. Oh, God, no. I, I hate I would never leave Ireland. Oh, to be for fuck's sake. An overseas <laughs> wedding now or a hen or a stag. No, no. It'll be in Cork. It'll be in Cork. 100% right. it'll okay. be in Cork. Yeah, because God yeah. Almighty, the expense of it and the hassle going overseas I for a wedding. I often wonder do people get the horrors when they get invited to an overseas wedding? I'd say so, Neil. I'd say it costs a fortune, like, to be honest. You know, I mean, I, have that kind of I get the horrors mm. being invited to a wedding full stop. I'd prefer to have piles. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> You're a gas man, Neil. You're a gas All man. All right, have a good day. Take care, Claire. Cheers. Okay, take care, Neil. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> I'll leave you that. I'm just being honest. Sometimes I'm too honest. Sometimes it's out of my mouth before I realise what I'm saying. Anyway, fancy going to Riverdance. Riverdance, of course, live at the Marquee, Friday, June 3rd. These songs with an aquatic theme, thank you. Artists and titles, please. Uh, pick up the phone, 0818 Here they are, two tickets for Riverdance. Turn it up, turn it up. Go crazy, crazy. Long about a All right, those three artists and titles in the correct order. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.